How's it going, audience dudes? Thank you for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Andy. And Masha. And this week, we're talking about Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and Bill and Ted's bogus journey. And no, you did not hear that in so wrong. For the first time ever, Love What I Love will be doing two movies on one episode. Oh, man. Yeah, we're giving you a nice two for one. And we're doing this in the honor of Bill and Ted Face the Music, which has recently been released. And we figured why not jumble up these two into one nice big episode. Oh, yeah, because it's excellent, I hear. And plus, after you watch one, I mean, it's just, you gotta, you want more. So (laughs) we gave you more. Okay. So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is a 1989 sci-fi comedy that follows two high school slackers, Bill and Ted, as they travel through time in order to pass their end-of-the-year history presentation. The film was directed by Stephen Herrick and written by Chris Madison and Ed Solomon, and it is starring Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, and George Carlin. I don't know many sci-fi comedies. No? You don't know too many sci-fi comedies? I I don't think think I know too many. I don't know how this movie comes up once a week with us and... (laughs) I don't even like it that much, and you've never heard of it until the first time it got brought up, but Hot Tub Time Machine is a good example of a... Uh, oh. And I would say that's even in... has a little Bill and Ted DNA on it, because A, it's a time travel movie, B, they go back to the 80s, mm-hmm. and so I could I could see a little bit of a... What about that one with Martin... Oh, is it short? It's not short. I mean, Martin Mar- Freeman and... Oh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Yep, that's that another a... one. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And um, I would say the Back to the Future trilogy as well. I mean, that, those are mm. sci-fi comedies too. All right, so maybe I take it back. Yeah, I, I mean, those are only two. Uh, that... I mean, you showed me and also a future episode, Galaxy Quest. That's yeah, another sci-fi. Yeah, Actually, yeah. I can think of a, a decent amount okay. now. <laughs> then I take everything I said back. <laughs> I would say a lot of times sci-fi comedies, unless they're parodies, try to at least take the sci-fi pretty seriously and then the comedy comes in and this movie is the complete opposite where they don't take nothing seriously yes they just go straight for the bits basically so this episode is gonna be i know for me my most contradictory episode of all time because everything that i always say i look for in movies and like about movies doesn't really apply to this one but i love it anyway (laughs) and it's i mean they're at the end of the day they're not necessarily quote-unquote good Uh but the way they hit me and the humor and everything i I fucking love these two movies. You're going to, everything that I've said about what makes a good movie in the, you know, 13 episodes that preceded this are going right out the window for me. I'm about to contradict everything I've ever said. I will just say I've never seen you so passionate about a movie like this. Wait, what do you mean? You were very excited about. I know, but I feel like you've said the same thing when we watched Warriors. You said you said that like three times Oh, uh, I guess so. <laughs> it's not a surprise I like movies. <laughs> Uh, I think I'm just caught up in the hype of the new one. And uh, before we get into this, yes, it has already been released at the time that this episode came out, but we're recording it before we've seen, or at least before I've seen Bill and Ted face the music. <laughs> I don't know. It's, time will tell to see if Masha even gives a shit about seeing the third one. But I didn't want this to turn into like the Willy Wonka one where I spent half the time comparing it to a new version. Might suck, might be awesome. I truly have no idea. I haven't even watched the trailer because I don't even, I didn't even want to hear Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter do these characters in their current age until the movie comes out. So I haven't seen a trailer, I haven't seen a clip, I haven't even heard them talk. So I don't even know what they sound like. And I'm definitely optimistic about it and I'm excited to watch it, but I wanted to get these down as the two movies I remember from my childhood. 
without being tainted by a new one, whether it sucks or whether it's great. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of why, I mean, we'll, we'll be talking vaguely about what we think might happen in the third one, but even though it's already been released by a few weeks at this point, spoiler, we record these kind of early. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just wanted to just see Bill and Ted the way I remember them before I see them come back. Which I'm very excited about. So yeah, as always, I got tons of fun things to say about this and tons of history to go behind it. But before we go into that, Masha, I know you've never really seen these movies before, but I know you've heard me talk about Bill and Ted in our, t- in our time dating together. But did you know even what Bill and Ted was before we met or anything? Or what's your history with no, this? No, I, I knew of Bill and Ted. And obviously, like a lot of... The movie's very quotable. Keanu Reeves's whoa is like a very popular meme. Yeah, that's become like his trademark, I would have to say. Yeah. I would say maybe it's because of Keanu and how famous he is now. Like, people really tap into his Bill and Ted role on the internet. So, I've just never personally watched the movie. Um, Yeah. But I was very familiar with yeah man and you know whatever Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i'm breaking your heart oh that was hilarious what about like what did you know about it besides these are two like kind of like california even they're not surfers but they have surfer type lingo like what did you know besides the personalities of bill and ted like did you know it was a sci-fi movie did you know there was time travel like were you surprised by anything before we sat down on this yeah i knew there was time travel spoiler alert since we're talking about two movies i had no idea what was going to happen in the second (laughs) we'll get there we're not there yet we're not there yet. yeah but uh yeah i knew there was time travel involved but i just didn't know anything else no but i did watch like the latter half of the movie with you yeah, or like I, feel I like kind you saw of the last scene, like the last. You don't know about the yeah, latter half. like a like a little over a year ago, I guess, or I don't know when that was. I w- I rewatched them when Bill and Ted Face the Music was like announced, when it was like official, like this is happening. Uh, We're working on it right now. That's when I got real excited and I rewatched both movies. Yeah, so I guess to that, I kind of remembered that by the time we watched this. But other than that, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. No. Okay. Cool. <laughs> How about you? Um, well, for me, the, yeah, this first movie is definitely the one that I remember more and is the one that kind of was the one I saw a lot as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another classic case of a Comedy Central movie. I don't know why just certain movies growing up were always played on Comedy Central like during the day constantly. So this is one of those where I definitely didn't even see it in its entirety for a long time. <laughs> I would always just see it like from a random part. So I knew about them from pop culture just because they're, you know, the the movie was a smash hit. So I just heard about Bill and Ted, but then I would always constantly just flip on Comedy Central like during the summer when I was watching TV and it would be on right in the middle of it. And then I would see parts. And so I was always kind of, it was one of those like trying to piece it all together type movies. (laughs) And then eventually just one day I rented it out of who God knows when and then watched the whole thing. And I was like, I went through a lot of ups and downs with this movie where when I was, because this movie is. Definitely geared towards a younger audience. I was going to ask, how old were you when you saw this? Like early teens. Like I was probably like anywhere between 11 and like 13, like 12. Because I feel like that's relevant. Yeah. (laughs) And that's definitely, I think, where the movie's aimed to. Like it's not a a kid's movie per se, but it's definitely not a highbrow. I don't even know if it's like a high teen movie. It's definitely like a middle school aimed toward that kind of stuff between it's not necessarily overly edgy and like, you know... Minus a few things we'll talk about, like there's not too much objectionable material in it, you know, it's not your typical, 
80s teen comedy with a hard R like Porky's or Revenge of the Nerds or one of these movies that was like, you know, we're getting some boobs, we're getting some partying, we're getting some drugs. Like a lot of that is omitted to make it a little bit more of a family friendly experience. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably why it was so popular on TV because there's not too much you have to cut out. At the same time, I am surprised that stuff was cut out considering that it has a PG rating. (laughs) Yeah, I guess PG-13. I was about to say, I don't know if PG-13 was around yet, but it totally was. It totally um, was. I know, but there's a, there's a lot of movies, like Jaws is PG. Like, there's a lot of PG movies out uh. there because PG-13 didn't exist yet. So, PG used to mean PG-13 for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, nowadays, G and PG are fucking synonymous. Like, they, <laughs> there's no difference between the two. Someone's got to get rid of one of them. Yeah, exactly. The Incredibles was the first Pixar movie to be rated PG as opposed to G. Uh-huh. And that's because the bad guys had guns and they were, like, shooting at the family. So, like, they had to, like, up it then. And that was, like, the only time in my life I ever saw a distinction of, like, <laughs> oh, so that's why that's PG, but Finding Nemo is G. All right, uh-huh. fair enough. But, yeah, so I just watched it constantly. I loved it at a certain point in my life. Like, middle school, I thought it was the funniest thing ever. Like, I just, it was so silly. You know, then sort of grew out of it a little bit where I was like, oh, it's kind of stupid, this and that. And then just, like, I watched it just again, you know, in, like, my 20s. And I was just like, man, this is one charming motherfucking movie like <laughs> all right these two guys play it I, I, th- I mean a lot of it comes down to i do think the writing is actually pretty like smart at times for a movie about two stupid people they go above and beyond to like it's smarter than it needs to be and or not needs to be but should be i guess based on when you first if you watch for five minutes you're like this is a stupid ass movie and then the more you kind of dissect the jokes you're like that was actually pretty smart like of a joke that they used right there so yeah i just kind of like fell back in love with it in my 20s and it's just played i think so well by keanu reeves and alex winter where they just understand these characters Mm -hmm. and just really know how to make them like it's it's their earnestness and their yes like ability but also their like, they're just good-natured, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of time these teen characters can be a little cynical and they can be mean. And I think because T- Bill and Ted weren't written that way, that it was just, they endure longer, in my opinion. I just think they're so optimistic about everything and so genuine about how they feel about situations that it just makes the movie super likable, in my oh, opinion. Okay. But that's that's me. And uh, so, yeah, so the kind of the background about this is, this is a series that the writers, I don't want to say own, but... It's less, like, Stephen Herrick directed this, but he didn't go on to do the, it wasn't his idea. So the writers, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, they uh, they were like a comedy duo in the 80s. And they actually invented these characters and used to do them on stage in their college. Oh. So they would do, it would be like stand-up shows where they would play Bill and Ted. And there's actually a third guy I was reading about. I think his name was like Bob or something. But after two shows, he was like, this is so stupid. I'm out of here. And he left. <gasps> so it just became Bill and Ted. But yeah, they were just. Oh, it. so it was Bill, Ted, and Bob. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it wasn't even a written show. It was just an improv show where they would come on stage as the characters and then take questions from the audience and then just like react as Bill and Ted. So they talk about current events and the idea would be like, they're so, st-, you know, and, and it kind of like. It kind of was a hit on their college. You know, they never took it on the road or anything or got famous with it. And then so when it came down to when they wrote this movie, they were just like, let's just take those characters and put them into something. And the original idea was to do more like a sketch sketch movie where just Bill and Ted are the constants in each sketch. Yeah. And everything. It would just be loosely connected. Not even loosely. Probably not connected things like Bill and Ted go do this. Then Bill and Ted go do this. and, And one of the ideas was Bill and Ted get a time machine that was going to be like one of the skits in the thing. But one thing I found out that I never knew was Chris Matheson is the son of Richard Matheson, who is an incredibly famous sci-fi author. He wrote the original book, I Am Legend, that the fucking five or so movies that came out of it. He he wrote a shitload of Twilight Zone episodes. 
he's very famous as like as like rooted as like a, a sci-fi guy in America. So I didn't know. I had no idea that was his son, uh, which kind of makes it funny that this is like a sci-fi romp. <laughs> But Chris Matheson said in an interview that it was actually when he showed the script to his dad, his dad was the one who said, like, the best idea in this is this time travel thing. And I think you have a whole movie in here. I think you should just make it a movie as opposed to just like skits. And I think that works because with few exceptions, I don't really think the skit movie works, in my opinion. You know, this been Kentucky Fried movie. That was all right. Monty Python and the Meaning of Life is probably the best one. Kentucky Fried movie? Yeah. Okay. It was made by the Zucker brothers, the guys who went on to do Airplane and Naked Gun, which are hilarious. But those are, because those are parody <laughs> movies where you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm talking to the audience, not to Masha. <laughs> like, Naked Gun and Airplane are fucking ridiculous, and there's no reality to them at all. They're fully parody movies where anything could happen at any point, but they, they disguise it in the guise of a real plot. So it's like... Airplanes about a plane where the, everyone gets sick, and this guy who's who used to be a fighter pilot has to fly it and land it. Like that's a plot, but then in the movie, it's ridiculous. Like it's absolutely nonsensical. It's a parody. It's like a scary movie. You know, like Got anything it. can happen. So I think that's that route works way better than just like ninety minutes of skits. Yes. Uh, so I can't really think of outside of Monty Python: The Meaning of Life, and that's not even that many skits. I can't. Th- there might be some that I'm not thinking of, but most of them I don't think it works. Yeah. So I think it was a brilliant <laughs> idea to just make this. Because this movie's silly as all hell, too, and nothing is taken seriously, and a lot of it doesn't make any sense, but it's, like, the comedy and the humor, like, it's the humor and the, the likability of these two guys that kind of, like, drag you through the whole thing. I agree. And, yeah, it was directed by Stephen Herrick. It's his second movie. He did direct Critters, which is probably the best of the Gremlins knockoffs. After Gremlins was a success, there was a thousand movies about small creatures that Mm-hmm. were terrorizing things just because Gremlins was such a success. Okay. So uh, Critters was one of those, but it's actually pretty damn good. And then he went on to do some stuff. He did Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, Mr. Oh. Holland's Opus, and uh, he did that remake of 101 Dalmatians, the live-action one from the oh, 90s. Oh, I did love that yeah, one. Yeah, so he, like, you know, was a giant, like, you know, he wasn't, he's not a mainstream name, but that guy, he went on to work a lot, which is pretty awesome. And then, uh, yeah, some other fun little background stuff is their original idea for this movie, or for the characters at least, was that they were supposed to be more like 14-year-old, kind of like wimpy heavy metal guys who constantly get picked up by jocks and like they were the nerds of the school and all that stuff. And then when they cast Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter, they were like, these guys are just way too likable. And honestly, they're kind of cool. So like, <laughs> even when they're dorky, like in the movie, there's still just something cool about them where they decided to just cut all that out. They didn't, they were like, let's not have them be bullied or any of that. So we don't really see a lot of their interactions at school outside of the one classroom scene where people laugh at their jokes. So that kind of makes me think like maybe they're kind of well-liked in the school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was a cool change too because we have had enough of that in the 80s where like the nerds, you know, uh, and the jocks and that, that kind of shit was played out. So I'm kind of glad they went with this like different route where you just don't even know what their status is in the school. Nerds! 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 Come on, Lewis, let's go. That was one of the comments that I had written down watching the movie. I just love that it was a movie about these teenagers that had nothing to do with like what status they held at school and how people perceived them. Mm -hmm. It was really just about this journey that they had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that too. I think I could have fallen to a lot of cliches of... You know, because I think they even filmed some scenes where, like, they get off the bus and some jocks, like, pick on them and make fun of them and knock their books over. I'm just mm-hmm. like, it's not needed. Those movies exist, and that's that's a good plot if you're going that route. But yeah. it's not, this movie's not about them finding social status in their school. Exactly. It's, it's just, like, a, just a weird, fun romp through time. And 
you know, like the midway point through the movie is kind of where we uh, get that almost sketch movie vibe where it's like each each thing is a sketch and stuff like that. Yes. So I, I thought that was pretty fun. You said the writers w- did were those characters. Was there any info about why? I, I just assumed that it was the studio's choice to be like, all right, you should cast other people to be in these roles. Like, did they ever consider taking those roles on themselves? Mm, as far as I could tell, that was never even a conversation. I mean, I think okay. I think they knew they weren't truly perf- like actors. You know what I mean? Like, just because they could perform a little bit on stage and improv doesn't necessarily mean you could be like an actor and embody this thing. Totally. So yeah, I mean, I didn't see anything saying the opposite of that, but also yeah, they were never like, we wanted to do it, and the studio was like, you need people, you know? Yeah. And also, Alex with their generators were nobody, so it's not even like they were like, we need stars in this. Like, neither of those guys, nobody knew who they were at all. Right. Like George Carlin was the biggest star. Yeah, big time. He'd been famous for. I mean, I the last thing I saw him in that I watched with you was uh, Jersey Girl a yeah. couple months ago. And that was, you know, a few years before he died. So yeah. that was very old. He was very old in that one. So, you know, that in comparison to this. Yeah. Before we get into the plot, I don't have too much background on this movie because this isn't uh, this isn't quite the same level as like a Hitchcock psycho or anything like that. <laughs> no one's made a movie about the making of Bill and Ted. But most of my info just kind of has to be what changed from the original script, which I actually found really interesting because the original script would have made this movie very different. Uh-huh. Um, so I'll just plow through that really quick. Like I said, with the stuff where they were supposed to be kind of like younger and more nerdy. Yes. You know, but they, they decided to age them up and then make them, you know, kind of base them on Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. The original script was definitely a little bit more like racier and like... I don't know if it was going to be R-rated, but it was definitely a little bit more not as family-friendly. Or, like, the jokes were a a little bit more mean-spirited at the time. And one of the most interesting things I found was... So, the original title was Bill and Ted's Time Van. And it was supposed to be... The time travel device was supposed to be a van that they get into and drive around. And they were kind of envisioning, like, a 70s... I guess, like, a Scooby-Doo van type thing. But this was written in the early 80s. wasn't made until 89. But right in the middle of production or like right when they were about to start production was when back to the future came out and was a fucking smash hit uh... and that involves a time traveling car so they were just like we got to change it like everyone's just gonna think we copied them when this baby hits 88 miles per hour you're gonna see some serious shit so they went with the phone booth which at the time was an obscure reference to doctor who because no one in america knew what doctor who was cool nowadays it's like the most popular fucking thing ever so i don't know how you could watch this and not be like oh it's doctor it's the american Phone booth, like a, like Doctor Who. Yep. But uh, like at the time, you know, pre-internet and all that stuff, like you kind of had to like be in the know in America to, to kind of be a big fan of Doctor Who. And then just some other little things. The original idea was supposed to have Bill and Ted accidentally causing all of like history's tragedies by like fucking things up. So like they would have caused like the Hindenburg explosion. And uh, yeah, I can't think, of, I don't know what the other ones were, but they just would have been, this isn't a tragedy, obviously, but they would have discovered fire with cavemen because they were like trying to light a joint while back in time. I see. And then cavemen would have saw what they were doing and like learned what fire was and just a lot of that kind of stuff. But they decided to take out all kind of like the drug references, any of that stuff to kind of make it a little bit more sanitized and then they just thought it just they just i don't know yeah they didn't give too much information it was kind of like a quick interview but they were just like along the lines we realized we wanted to go with a different route and not have it be like originally instead of napoleon they were going to bring hitler back and all this other (laughs) stuff and then they were just like i i I think yeah they would have accidentally killed caesar you know but they would have gone back in time and killed caesar by accident instead of that sounds complicated yeah yeah so uh, they decided to just streamline it a little bit more and be like, they just need to collect these people for their history report. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I like that. Yeah. 
Rufus is supposed to be a 28-year-old high school sophomore who, like, went to high school with them. That's George Carlin's character. Oh, okay. And then he was supposed to have a smart dog named Dog Rufus who traveled with them. A lot of this weird shit in the first script that just got thrown out. I just found it kind of interesting, but <laughs> in terms of the original script that got changed while they were making the movie. Yeah, I generally speaking, I do like that they didn't go too deep into time travel and how them being in those other times affected timelines because i feel like a lot of time travel movies fall into that so i did appreciate the fact that they didn't really go into it at the end of the day it was such a refreshing thing to not have to worry (laughs) about the consequence like they just do whatever the fuck they want and then it's all good so yeah i did i don't know we'll get into it but i just appreciated that at some point you're like oh this isn't that kind of movie let's just go along with the ride Yeah, that's pretty much it on my little backstory there. Um, since we have a lot to talk about in two movies, um, I figured we'll just jump right into it. Not really a movie I'm too worried about spoiling because it's like the ending doesn't really matter. Right. But I guess I guess we'll bring up we'll we'll leave one little part at the very end for the spoiler section. And just for clarification, we're gonna do the first movie first and then go back and do our process of non spoilers and spoilers for the second movie. Oh yeah, yeah. We're just gonna... to keep it separate and yeah, yeah, it would just be too jumbled if we were talking about both at the same time. Yeah. So we're gonna do best worst for the first movie, then go to and talk about Bill and Ted two. Yeah. Or what did they call it? Bogus adventure. Bogus journey. Je- whatever. There's okay. <laughs> Come on, Marshall. <laughs> yeah, so let's just jump right into it. All right. So what was your uh, right at the start of the movie when it opened up with this weird ass futuristic like dome thing coming out of the sky? And then immediately cuts to George Carlin in front of a black background talking to the audience. What did you, like, what was your brain at that point? Because that's like a weird way to start a movie. Well, my first reaction was, George Carlin, so young. So that was what's go- that's what was going on in my brain, nice. to be honest. But I, I was just kind of already prepared for like a weird movie experience. So I wasn't really surprised at that uh, point. Damn, I was kind of hoping you would like... Because you tend to forget a lot about movies and stuff like that every once in a while. I feel like I never forget the things you want me to forget. I know. I'll, I'll show you something I love, and then a week later I'll be like, remember this? You'll be like, what is that? <laughs> and then when I want you to like forget something so you can see it fresh, it's like stuck in your brain. <laughs> so I was really kind of hoping you just thought this was going to be about like two idiot friends like in high school doing high school shit. And I remembered then- the future stuff. You only saw the end presentation. You didn't know what that was. Yeah. They didn't use time machines. They were just they were just talking about those could have been actors. Well, sorry, I didn't forget. All right, whatever. <laughs> um, this whole intro was actually reshot, uh, shot after the fact and added in because the test audiences were too confused about what the fuck was going on. They, I would have been confused. Yeah, yeah. So I, me as the person who loves like surprises in movies, I actually almost would prefer if it just started right on Bill and Ted and then like the sci-fi stuff came in. Without you thinking it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of think the movie shows its cards a little too early by having it start in the future and having, you know, Rufus be like, now it, because it seems a really forced uh, voiceover when it, after he finishes talking, then it cuts to Bill and Ted and then you still hear Rufus talking and he's like, now I have to make sure they stay on the right track or the world is doomed. And then he literally goes, don't worry, it'll make sense later. Like, it almost seemed like it was the writers, like, pissed that the focus group didn't understand the movie. And he was like, fine, assholes, we'll spell it all out in the first sentence. Uh... So I didn't like that the movie just immediately was like, hey, I'm from the future. This movie's gonna be about me going back in time to, to helping Bill and Ted. Like, I gotcha. I would have liked it better if they were just at the Circle K and then all of a sudden a time machine appears and you're like, whoa, you know? Yeah, but I did like 
I I get what you're saying and I agree with it, but I also do like the fact that we're seeing a world already at the very top in which Bill and Ted has influenced and but you don't, they live by. But you don't necessarily know that in that first scene. You just he didn't just... they don't they spell out that if we don't save Bill and Ted, the future as we know it won't exist. Don't they say something along those lines? I think lines? they say something along those lines, but they don't quite get into like the whole like you don't find out exactly what that means until the very end of the movie. Which is what I'm going to consider the spoiler part of this. But yeah, I, I guess so. But I just, I don't know. The only part I, I approve of it is, A, you get more George Carlin because he's actually not in this movie that much. Yeah, and then B, I was expecting him to be in much more. He also, he wrote that whole intro himself. So it definitely felt a little bit like his stand-up. Mm. So I always found it funny, you know. The air is clean. The water is clean. Even the dirt is clean. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so... And, like, the fact that he considers uh, mini golf a sign of low intelligence. <laughs> He's like, bowling scores are way up. Mini golf scores are way down. <laughs> wow. So, I don't hate the intro. I just, you know, if, if I had never even heard of this movie and I was putting it on, I would love to see someone go through the journey of being like, it's a fucking time travel movie? Like, I thought it was about two dudes trying to <laughs> pass a test. That's funny. You know, so. I'm of the irk that I don't think it was necessarily needed, but I, I get it. Why did I write down dance moves and that's it? I don't know. Did, did mm. dancing happen at the top of the movie? Mm. That was my first note. <laughs> I don't know. You wrote it. All right. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that's when we meet Bill and Ted. We find out that they have a band, but they slowly... T- <laughs> you First, you hear how bad they are, and they blow up their instruments, and then you find out that they don't even know how to play instruments, and they never even tried to learn. So I just thought that was pretty hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, they look like they've been rehearsing for like you know, like this is their routine. <laughs> well, they're making, they're trying to make the triumphant video, but like they don't have any skills to play or anything. It's a, I find that hilarious. While I agree that in time our band will be most triumphant, the truth is Wild Stallions will never be a super band until we have Eddie Van Halen on guitar. Yes, Bill, but I do not believe we will get Eddie Van Halen until we have a triumphant video. Ted, it's pointless to have a triumphant video before we even have decent instruments. Well, how can we have decent instruments if we don't really even know how to play? That is why we need Eddie Van Halen. And that is why we need a triumphant video. Excellent! They go off to school. That's when we get the whole setup with the history class. And you find out that they have a big history presentation that if they don't get an A on, that they are then going to fail basically for the year yeah which in turn will have ted's dad send him to a military school in alaska which will break up the band and break up yeah our titular duo they have this huge presentation that they clearly have not started at all oh, and it's no. a, a third of their grade or whatever and it's due tomorrow it's a classic <laughs> uh it's just a big fat liar yeah. yeah third of your grade will be on this i think he at least had like a few days like <laughs> oh oh no i always took it that they had plenty of time they just didn't didn't Bill yeah, and Ted, yeah, yeah. like they procrastinated. Like I didn't think that he announced it that day. I think it was like, "Hey guys, remember this is due tomorrow." That's so and, funny. And they were just because they're slackers. They were just like, "Whatever," you know. I just had an anxiety attack. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if any movie shouldn't give you an anxiety attack, it's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> what was your like? I know you obviously you've seen these portrayals of Bill and Ted before, but like this is your first <laughs> your first chance of seeing them in like a long form chunk. Yeah. Where you like. This is gonna be a long three hours because we're doing both <laughs> movies back to back. Or were you like, all right, I can I can get a giggle out of these guys? I mean, I did get giggles out of. I them, heard you if giggle. I'm being honest. I heard you giggle. I I think they did like you you mentioned. You love that stupid funny or like funny that's hard to write. Yeah. 
I, I forget how you explain it. Stupid humor. Like, I always say it's hard to write good, stupid humor. Yeah. Because anybody could write somebody stupid, walk into a wall, <laughs> hilarious. But, like, to get a Homer Simpson, to get a Bill and Ted, you have to really, you have to be smart to write stupid. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I did appreciate those lines. Oh, some of the ones in the beginning have me, always have me that. Uh, Noah's wife. Well, uh, stop. Uh, You're stealing all of my thoughts. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, go, 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 um, go, go. Talk no. <laughs> that line, like you just said about uh, Joan of Arc, like, oh, you know, who's Joan of Arc? Noah's wife. And, you know, yeah. then, you know, they find out that it's not. And he's like, well, then who is Noah's wife? <laughs> as if that was the original question. <laughs> exactly. I so. always like that. Cause, and some of these I didn't get as a kid. Because, like I said, they're a little bit smarter than you would expect from a movie that looks this stupid. Because mm-hmm. you'd have to understand that Noah built the Ark yes. to get that joke. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. So it's like, and then, but then you also have to understand that Ted is stupid enough to think his name was Noah's Ark. Yes. <laughs> and so then Joan of Ark must have been his wife. So uh, I did get chuckles out of those that, lines. And when they're, when they're trying to prove what they learned in history class and they're reading off the board. And then so it's a Socrates and then under it's a Socratic method because that's what he invented. And he's like, leaders like Cleopatra and Socratic method. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, there was uh, a good, it was a good balance between eye rolling humor and LOL uh, humor. Yeah. And again, like I said, I'm going to be contradicting everything I've ever said on this podcast about why I like movies, but I just love that Bill and Ted aren't characters and they're both the exact same person. Yeah. It was to the point where I'm pretty sure they, like Keanu Reeves and, and Alex Winter both said they weren't even sure who they were playing when they first like got the set. <laughs> like they just knew that like they got these roles because they literally have no discernible characteristics from each other. They say the same lines often they repeat each other's lines and it just makes it so funny to me that they're like not only are they just like a single unit but everyone in in the movie looks at them that way too like there's no reason why the two of them are doing their presentation together at no point do they say you're doing your dual presentations every other presentation you see at the end of the movie is a single person like i don't know why and he even says like when he's grading them he writes bill and ted f and it's just like (laughs) what are you talking about i didn't even notice that (laughs) so I just, I don't know, something about them being, like, one person, but two, it just fucking cracks me <laughs> up. Like, if they didn't constantly introduce themselves, I wouldn't even remember who was who. Like, if they didn't always say, Bill S. Preston Esquire, well, again, why is he a lawyer? Like, yeah. why Esquire? <laughs> and then Ted Theodore Logan, which fucking is hilarious, because who puts the nickname I, first? <laughs> right. I was wondering that the whole <laughs> like, movie. It would, be, it would always be Theodore Ted Logan. <laughs> Oh, so like, did he do that, or did his dad actually? Or his... no, I think that was just him. Okay, just being like, like <laughs> Theodore Logan. A lot of this, just because this movie doesn't have a lot of plot, it's just gonna be a lot of us talking about jokes and how we, if we thought they were funny or not. Well, another layer to them having to do their history report is that if Ted doesn't pass, his dad is gonna send him to military school. Yeah, which I, I mentioned that earlier. Oh. Whoops. <laughs> so good. Well, the the reason why I'm bringing it up again is because I do remember this whole trend in movies growing up where if you were bad or you didn't do something, your parents would always send you to military school. Oh, yeah. That was a plot in everything. And, I mean, that was Malcolm in the Middle. The whole character, the older brother, like the whole yeah. first three seasons was him in military school. Uh, do you know anyone who was ever sent to military nah. school? Is that something that just Hollywood tried to like everyone just tapped into i guess they all just thought i mean it was it's a good like foil for like your 
like slacker character, you know, because they're all like, I do whatever I want, and the military school stringent and will right. put put an end to the fun. But what I didn't understand in all these is military school free, right? Because especially in Malcolm in the Middle, like they were poor as shit. Like there was like an episode where they just watered down the orange juice until it was a full thing of water because they couldn't afford another jug of orange juice. Uh-huh. So I'm like, how the fuck are they sending this kid? To-? So is the idea like you're gonna go right into the military? Are they like preparing you for the military? So therefore. They pay for your school? Yeah, I didn't... I don't understand that either. I don't know military school. And then also, like, I'm so surprised that the army and or the military actually let all these movies do this. Because it made <laughs> it seem like a bad thing, you know? Yeah, I don't think... Their whole I don't recruiting think, I don't think the strategy... army had many say about what was going on in movies. I... Well, they... I'm sure they'd want to protect their reputation, especially for the recruiters who are trying to get people to join. You know, yeah. I don't know. But also, it's like, you know, I don't think the military wants people like Bill and Ted. Like, I think they want a good straight list. But also what I found funny, and we'll talk about why this is even dumber in the next movie, but, like, from all accounts, I mean, they don't say it, but it looks like they have, like, they're about to finish their senior year. Yeah. So what the fuck is military school for an 18-year-old who's about to graduate high school? I don't know. You know, like, I was always like, what is t- Like, are they sophomores or juniors? <laughs> like, is there another year of school? Like, what the fuck is Ted worried about? He's about to graduate. Yeah. I, uh, guess, I guess if he failed, he would have to do the year again, and then he would have done it at military school? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. They Again, this... I'll pick some nits, but this movie, none of this shit matters. It's not, There's yeah. so many plot holes and so many inconsistencies. Right. But it was just... And you're just like, how did that work? <laughs> like, there's so many of those moments. Yeah, but it was just, like, an interesting, like, flashback to all the movies I remember watching as a kid where, you know, teenagers were getting threatened to be sent to military oh, yeah. school. And I was like, I have never met a single person Is that... whose parents have threatened mil- military school on them. <laughs> Is that the plot of the Hillary Duff Cadet, Cadet Kelly? Kelly? Yeah. Yes, except that was less of a threat and more of I married a person who's the headmaster of a military school. So this is where you go to school now. Ah, uh, okay. And she was like, too too cool for the school? Yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> well, that's Ted's dad. Yeah. And then you meet Bill's dad. Bill's dad who's a creep. <laughs> he's da- he's, Straight he's married- up creep. <laughs> he's married to Missy. <laughs> I don't know. I always thought that to be so fucking funny that his stepmom was a senior when he was a freshman. So she's only four years older than him, which makes her, what, like 22? Yeah. I mean, a creep, yes, but it's not like anything illegal is going on. She's definitely way above adult. I mean, I think sleeping with her in your son's room is... Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's... Like, what is going on? I just love Ted. Remember when I asked your mom to the prom, dude? (laughs) But something that endures with these characters for me is just, like, I feel like a movie like this, they always have that stupid thing at the end of the second act where, like, they get into a fight. Yes. And then they have to, like, both walk off hangry at each other, and then they come back together in the third act to realize they're still friends. Like, it happens in Dumb and Dumber. It happens in so many of these goddamn movies. And yes. I just love that, like, Bill and Ted's friendship is always... Even when they're annoyed for each other, it lasts for one second, and they just got those goofy-ass smiles, and they just keep on. Like, <laughs> they always got each other's back. Like, I don't know. There's something weird about the sincerity <laughs> that I think is the reason why this holds up. Keanu and... really has the goofy smile oh, on lock. Keanu's smile <laughs> and that fucking hair is the best. I think it's so... That mop top that he's got... Whatever the hell that shit is called. <laughs> is that what they call them? Mop top? I, m- maybe. I might be getting it wrong, but... It just, something, is so goofy. Just that <laughs> with this fucking lanky walk. Like, oh, it's so good to me. <laughs> and then when, when something crazy happens and it blows out and it's like fucking four inches longer on each side. It's just like, oh. 
I mean, a lot of the Missy jokes aren't that great because they're just like, look how hot she is. Like, whatever, that's fine. But I just think the fact that it's the, that they were in high school together and now she's his mom, I just find that very funny. And yeah. I've never really seen that before. This movie was definitely catered to, like, boys. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> because the women in this movie are all babes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone. All of them. And they, most of them have no, like, agency or anything to do with the storyline. Yeah. So, yeah, it is what it is. It was the 80s. Even Joan of Arc, like... Hey. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, she, she was pretty cool. Yeah, but she was kind of just there. So were most of them. All right, but whatever. So, yeah, there's definitely catered more towards dudes, but when you compare it to... It's predecessors at the time, or not predecessors, but like the same movies at the time. Half of those characters are like sexual predators by today's standards. You know, Revenge of the Nerds. They they trick a they rape a girl by tricking her into thinking she's fucking her boyfriend, and it's like endearing. You know, and Porky's they're raiding the girls' rooms and stealing their panties and spying on them while they're naked. In terms of those things, this movie is way more on board than those movies. So if the idea is there's not a lot of female characters with agency, if that's the biggest complaint, I'm cool with it. Like, there's no... Bill and Ted aren't raping anybody. They're not con- committing sexual crimes. They're very they're very much like children in this movie. You know, they're yeah. not... So, I'll, you know, I'll take that criticism, but I'll fucking... I'll double down with the, the way worse movies that were coming out at the time. Fucking 16 Candles, there's a rape. Yeah. Like, all these movies had rape back then, and it was, like, hilarious. Like, you know, just be like, hey, the girl's drunk. Let's go for it. Right. I lost my virginity. You know, like, so I'll fucking, you know. I lo- I like John Hughes movies a lot, but it's just so funny that he's considered the classy director, and all mm. of his movies have, like, rape and sexual predators yeah. that are, like, sympathetic. You're supposed to be sympathetic towards them. And then something as fucking dumb as Bill and Ted, outside of one instance, which I'll bring up later, has really nothing objectionable in it at all. <laughs> so then, you know, that's where we get our little, our little setup. You know, they're... They're trying to study for their test by just asking random people questions on the side. That was... <laughs> Which was hilarious. Excuse me. When did the Mongols rule China? I don't know. I just work here. Hey, no internet. What are you going to do? It's not like you can just open any book and find any yeah. answer you want. Although I was like, where are all those books you got from the library earlier? Oh, yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Although half of the, you know, again, none of this movie really makes any sense. And if you try to track the plot too oh, hard. Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, their, their their report is what do all these history historical figures think of, would think of San Dimas where they live in 1988. Like, that was their project. But then their questions were just like, when did the mongrels rule China? You know, like, it was yeah. just, like, like, who was Marco Polo? Like, it was just, they, they, none of that makes any fucking sense. Yeah. And then that's when... Uh, we get another cut to the future where we see the three most important people in the world as they send, that's what they're called in the credits, the three people who sit in the chairs. That is, I did not notice that. <laughs> uh, and then they they send Rufus, played by George Carlin, back in time. And that's when he appears in front of them at the Circle K to basically start their adventure and saying that he's here to help them with their history report. Mm-hmm. And we get that fun scene with the, with the other Bill and Ted's coming from their journey, which pretty much just means there's an infinite loop of... Bill and Ted's going back and saving other Bill and Ted's. And an infinite loop of George Carlin going back <laughs> to do this thing over and over again. I know. It's, yeah, it's, right. it's, it's played for laughs because, you know, you try to think about that too hard, your fucking head's going to come out of your brain. I mean, shit. <laughs> I said that backwards. If you try to think about that way too much, your brain's going to come right out of your head. So forget about that. So how did this movie get made? <laughs> what do you mean? I guess not how did it get made, but how did it get pitched and approved? <laughs> Uh, it's just so weird. I mean, it definitely was made back in a day where we were definitely way more open to original ideas. You know, 
Like, even the fact that Bill and Ted 3 got made is insane, but it was still part of an established, successful property. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like nowadays, we do get movies, you know, like, I was kind of thinking of, like, Palm Springs a little bit with the one we just watched on Hulu, but those movies tend to be smaller, lower budget, and come out on streaming services. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I forgot to mention up top, but this movie, it was relatively low budget for the time. It, it cost $6.5 million to make. Which isn't a low, low budget, but when you're dealing with a special effects comedy, yeah, it is a pretty low budget. And it went on to make $40.5 million, so it was a fucking Damn. huge success. Like wow. Run, runaway success. But, and you can definitely tell the low budget, but I like, I think they, they're pretty clever at working around it. They really only save, you really only see the time machine doing its thing in the real world like two or three times. Yeah. But they carefully cut around it, like cleverly cut around it a lot of times where, you know, you'll see a light flash under a door and then they come out of the door. So it always happens right off camera, but they do it in a clever way where you don't notice it. Like it doesn't feel cheap. I'm not like, oh, they're cheaping out on the fucking. Because uh, I noticed that, uh, you know, how, how much I love Buffy and we watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yep. And. The first time I saw a behind-the-scenes thing where they talked about how much it cost to dust a vampire on camera, mm-hmm. it really made me realize how few times that happens in the seventh season. There's over 150 episodes. There's, like, almost 150 episodes of that show. And you, like, oh, so many times. When you're looking for it, it happens off-camera all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you maybe see, like, 20 times where a vampire gets truly dusted because it costs so much goddamn money to show it. That's crazy. So, yeah, yeah they're always... they're find, They found clever ways to make it look cheap without... Uh, or, like, to make it for cheap without it looking cheap. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so Rufus kind of shows them what the time machine's like, and then that's when they start their basic journey to all the different historical time periods. Oh, uh, one other thing, I know it's just to keep talking about why I think these characters work so well. Because I love, yes, they're obviously very stupid. Um, but I also love they inexplicably always use, like, not very big words, but they use, like, three to four syllable words a lot where you wouldn't think characters this stupid would understand. Yeah. So I find that always just hilarious. Like, you know. I also love that for some reason they never use contractions. And it makes their, their like, they always say the full words. Like, in the beginning, he's like, we need, we need to get Eddie Van Halen for our video. And he goes, but Bill, I do not believe we will get Eddie Van Halen. You know, <laughs> like, like stupid people would be like, like, would say don't, you know. But for some reason, the fact says, I do not believe. Like, it just <laughs> cracks me off and just like, you know, like... I can't think of any examples now, but when they, you know, they'll say like most, and then they'll I say. I love when they put most in front of a word. Yeah, but a word you wouldn't even expect them to know. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> I should have wrote down examples. I just wrote, I like their use of big words. And then, yeah, so the first future figure we see is Napoleon when they go back to France. And then uh, he accidentally ends up coming with them, which is funny because he's part of their report. So I don't really know what that plan was. That part's always weird because they get off the time machine, they look around for three seconds, and then Rufus is like, all right, time to go, guys. And I was like, why'd you guys even come here? It happens so fast. Like, they, they're literally in France for three seconds. I guess he's just showing them how it works. I Yeah, I did question that as well. But yeah, yeah I guess he is. And they get Napoleon, Rufus leaves them, and then that's when they just start going from place to place to place, picking up everybody. I mean, I don't think we need to touch on every single one, but yeah. just some examples. They go to the Old West for Billy the Kid. They go to Austria, get Sigmund Freud. They go uh, to ancient Greece, and they get Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when they're sitting on the curb, and he's like, uh, Socrates? Yeah, he's under Socrates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's, like, he's like, isn't Socrates from here? Yeah, look up in the book. It's under Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> for years. I, I, I mean, for years. I probably still, every time I see it written, I just I always say Socrates in my head. <laughs> and all right, so to go back to where I said this movie is probably smarter than it needed to be, 
I really love the fact that every single historical figure speaks their la- the language they're supposed to speak. Mm-hmm. I feel like a movie this dumb could have easily just done, though. They all speak English for some weird reason. Yes. So I just love that, you know, Socrates can't really understand them. You know, they can't understand Napoleon. He only speaks French. Like, I just think it's a little touch that adds a lot to this movie. And also just, it puts in a little more work on the writer's part. And then even just like you get the origin, the actual real pronunciation of Socrates, which is Socrates, you yeah. know, like, like just added a little touches like that. I'm like, fuck, this movie's not that stupid. Like, it's stupid. Yeah. It's not that stupid. You know, this isn't Dude, Where's My Car, which somehow we've brought up four fucking <laughs> times now. I don't even like that movie, guys. I know the, you as the audience probably think I love that movie. I don't. Uh, Although I feel like you brought it up more than I, I have. No, I bring it up. Because that's a sci-fi comedy, too. Oh, it is? Yeah, yeah. Whoa, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it involves aliens coming to Earth and trying to get this secret weapon, and then they have what to destroy the them. But I don't think it works anywhere near as good as this. And so that's kind of, yeah, I guess that that's the exact example of I would say is <laughs> if that's the turn this could have taken if it wasn't, if the writers weren't as smart, if the actors didn't give as much care, and, you know, it's just, uh, it's Great. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the people who who play those historical figures must have had a ton of fun. Yeah, and I, also I feel like they all play it pretty sincerely. Like, yeah, like I believed Socrates, like believed he was Socrates. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like they didn't, they weren't playing it like super silly. They were, they were playing it silly because it's a silly movie, but not so far fetched where you're just like, no, like I think that's what he would kind of be like. Yeah, and I like that this movie plays with the fish out of the wa- fish out of water idea, but all over the place because first you get Bill and Ted with them being fish out of water by going to all these time periods. Then we get all the people that they steal fish out of water by them being in 1988 and dealing with that. So that's fun. Yeah. Um, And then the only like I guess notable stop for the plot is when they go to medieval England and they, they meet the royal princesses. Uh, um, the royal babes, historical babes. Oh, historical. Babes. <laughs> I wrote that down, <laughs> dude. We gotta go. They're just babes. No, they're historical babes. <laughs> but I just love their questions. Like, do you know where any personages of historical significance? <laughs> like, what the fuck is this personage? <laughs> wow, Andy was cracking up. Oh, this it's so whole funny. Movie. It's so funny. Since we're in medieval England, one thing that caught me off guard, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised because it was the 80s, was I think after like the whole confusion about Ted might have been dead, yeah, but yeah. it turns out he fell out of his armor. Makes no fucking sense. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> First of all, it ha- he falls down the steps and then the armor gets stabbed within like five seconds and somehow he got out of the armor, reassembled it perfectly like a human, and then hid before they did that. Right. But, I just stopped asking questions at that point. But I love the way Keanu Reeves like how excited he was to like tell Bill like what happened. Like He's like, I fell out when it hit the steps! <laughs> you know? and, just, and then he hit him with the bone. To little bonehead. Scared. <laughs> All right. But anyway, they hug and then someone says, drops the F-bomb. Yep. That's what I was saying earlier where I was like, when I said outside of one instance, I don't think there's anything that by today's standards. Yeah. So, yeah, it is what it is. But still has a PG rating? Like, <laughs> all First right. of all, I can say for a fact, I went to high school two decades after these characters went to high school. That word was getting thrown around everywhere. Uh, I graduated in 2008. That wasn't that long ago. We were, all guys were calling each other that all the time. Wow. Not saying it was right. I'm just saying that's what high school boys did. Mm-hmm. I Maybe they still do. I'm not, I haven't been in high school. You know, maybe it's only the internet that, that makes it seem like, oh my God, nobody says this. But eh, something tells me 14-year-old boys are still saying it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's 1988. I think it's definitely 
it definitely hits like a thud. You know, it definitely doesn't hold up anymore. <laughs> but like I said, compared to all its peers in the same family of teen comedies at the time, if that's the one thing, like it's not that that bad. You know, it's more it's like more playing off like that teen homophobia thing where they have a hug for a second and then they're so worried about oh my friend's gonna think i'm gay you know and like yeah so it's like that kind of stupid joke um yeah i don't know i think it's funny but i also don't think it's like you know it's like yeah. hashtag cancel villain ted for this one line yeah i mean i mean don't they i'm pretty sure they throw it around a lot and shit like don't they say it a lot and bring it on too they do yeah and that was what two decades after this movie <laughs> came out so i don't want to hear shit. yeah i'm not saying <laughs> i'm just saying that it took me out of the movie for a second mm-hmm. because i wasn't it, it's just been you know we were halfway through the movie at this point and it's just been like clean kind of yeah ish and then that kind of just yeah and i'll say um you know pc stuff aside I think it actually just doesn't really even work because I don't even know if that's in the nature of their characters. Right. Because they're so genuine and so into their friendship that, like, I wouldn't see them as being, like, embarrassed. You know, like, they're always just, like, they're always together. Like, they never have to, like, make excuses of, like, oh, no, like, you know, we're just friends or any of that stupid shit. So I think of just, like, the kid nature of the two of them where they they really just, to me, come off as, like, two 10-year-olds in 18-year-old bodies. Uh, Yes. (laughs) You know, so... Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's part of their characters <laughs> yeah. as well. Like, um, it wasn't necessary. And, like, nothing else is, like, even, like, close to mean-spirited as that. In the Like, you know, like, they never really... They don't really make fun of other people too much. And if they do, it's, like, for, like, their clothes or something silly. You know, like, it's not... It's not anything huge. <laughs> yeah, traveling through time, having a great time, visiting all these places. Since we're in this sort of sequence of them jumping around from timeline to time... Or uh, from time to time... I under going back to my earlier question about how did this get made? I failed to look at my note, my full lo- note for that. Uh-huh. I said, "How did this get made?" Future scene. So when they go to the future, uh-huh. um, and they are in this world that worships them. Yeah, that's why I questioned how did this movie get made because that scene is so. <laughs> It's so weird. Oh, but it's so funny. Yeah, but it's, yeah, I I was laughing. I love how serious it's played and like just the, everyone doing the air guitar to like salute Bill and Ted. But it's like the weird like slow air guitar. Like I was like, what is happening? I always, man, I have a huge smile on my face that whole scene. It's so funny. And I don't know why, but I really dig it in these futuristic movies or scenes where, like, a black man is in sunglasses mm-hmm. and is, like, the leader. I, I feel like that happens in Fifth Element. It happens in, I mean, I'm just thinking of, like, Morpheus and... Yeah, yeah. Uh, What else? I can't even think of the other movies where you just see, like, a black man in sunglasses <laughs> who's just, like... I don't know. Kind of yeah. silly. Not saying this was the first one to do it, but this is older than all your examples. Uh, oh, did it, well. did it come in here? <laughs> yeah, I always think that's like that's like a classic sci-fi thing where, like, Star Trek did it too, where it's like it's like an optimistic thinking of like in the future we're not going to be so hung up on who's what race and mm-hmm. we're all just going to be humans working towards one thing. Yeah, because you know, like Star Trek, it was the '60s and they had a an Asian guy on the team and a black woman and like. That was insane. Like, you know, like yeah. that never happened before. But also they didn't like bring it up. They weren't just like, oh, yeah, it doesn't the have guy. to be. But I just like the so, imagery yeah. of like something. <laughs> I, I, I see that in a lot of sci-fi. But yeah, I, I, I dig that too. <laughs> oh, one fun thing about casting I forgot to say was uh, the, the way George Carlin got the job was they originally wanted uh, Rufus to be played by some kind of famous rock musician because of all the, mm. the rock undertones of this. But they just didn't have the money to get anybody. And then 
George Carlin was a good get because a he's incredibly famous as a comedian, but he's not in a lot of movies, and he's not his price isn't really that high to be in a movie. And I guess the producer had just worked with him on some a project right before this, so he like knew him, so he's oh, like, let awesome. me call him. And yeah, because I heard like Kevin Smith, because Kevin Smith put him in a lot of movies, you know, Jersey Girl, like we talked about before. Yeah. And I heard him in an interview once where people were like, "Man, how did you get like George Carlin in all your movies?" And he was like, "Cause." People don't understand. Like, people always think George Collins like an angry dude because of his stand up <laughs> and he's always criticizing. He's like, that dude loved being in movies, but no one ever offered him movie roles because he was like, because he wasn't an actor, you know? Like, so like he like loved the process. So like all I ever had to do was ask him and he was always <laughs> there. Like, no matter what, whether it was Dogma, Jane Silent Bob, Strike Back, Jersey Girl, like he was just like, he loved acting in movies even though he Aww, wasn't an actor. So Georgie. I was like, and I was like, yeah, he's one of the greatest comedians of all time. So why not put him on? So I just found that funny where like, he was a great get because it made it appeal to a lot of older people, like parents and stuff, to be like, oh, it's a comedian uh, I grew up loving. Yeah. But also, it wasn't like it didn't break the bank to have him in the movie either, as opposed to if they got, like, you know, whoever the hottest rock star, you know, Eddie Van Halen or some shit. Yeah, totally. Sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit, but... <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie's all over the place. It's fine. But I did like the fact that, you know, they were actively going to time periods and grabbing these um, select historical figures, but Napoleon was not one of those people that ended up being... Um, an intentional get yeah because obviously napoleon wasn't that great and he's yeah. awful well either is genghis khan but go on no oh true that is very true <laughs> I love actually they like they, they didn't shy away like he was about to like just like i don't want to say rape that girl yeah. but like you know because genghis khan he was raping don't, don't worry, oh, he, lived ab- in the, he lived in the 11th you know 12th century or whatever absolutely well so that kind of negates everything i just said yeah. but i my whole point was i like that you know for like the bad he seemed to be the replacement for the Hitler character that they originally yeah. wrote in their script. That he wasn't someone that they were actually seeking to mm-hmm. get for their report. I feel like they were because the very first question is: Remember the very when they're the very first scene in the classroom when he's like, when the teacher is just like mid sentence and he's like Bill and he's like he's dead and he's like so what you're telling me is Napoleon is the short dead dude. <laughs> so like they were clearly learning about Napoleon in class. They at the were, time. but I don't think. I mean, yeah, fair enough. Oh, and also just to go to uh, to go back to the whole like not taking the time travel stuff seriously. I love that a they're not worried about like the problems they're going to cause in history by taking these people out of their time for a short amount of time. But also, I love how most of the people <laughs> that they save ended up dying like either young or tragic deaths. And there's no like, hey, hey, Abraham, like. Watch out for the theater. Like, you know, like, there's none of that shit. Like, they just truly don't give a fuck. It's not like, hey, Joan of Arc, just so you know, they're going to burn you at the stake. Like, you know, like. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I found that. Oh, I love when, I think when they pick up Joan of Arc was my favorite because (laughs) Bill, Ted comes out and he puts his finger out like that famous painting of God reaching out to touch a person because she she thinks they're God and she just follows them into the thing. (sighs) Yep. Most excellent. Once you decided you were going to do Bill and Ted for the podcast, I should have just started keeping track of how many times you went before we recorded this podcast. <laughs> oh, I was air guitar. I was air guitar yeah, for days. It's definitely in the double digits. <laughs> I wish I could do air guitar, but have it actually be the. I truly think you should change it. Your text notifications. To be that sound. <laughs> I will try. <laughs> Yeah, so this is the opposite of every movie I've ever said I liked, because I feel like there are no stakes to this movie, really. I mean, technically, if you really look at the plot, sure, the stakes are the future of the world, but at no point am I ever worried about Bill and Ted. The antenna breaks at one point on the on the time machine, and it's just a joke for them all to 
put it together back with chewing gum. Yeah. Like, it's not. It's kind of gross, in my opinion. Yeah, there's, <laughs> don't really go through an arc. You know, they're just kind of, they're just kind of there for the ride, just to react to the, the crazy stuff that's going on around them. Yeah. It's kind of like this sketch comedy moment where you get to see historical figures in a modern day world at the mall. Yeah, each of them kind of yeah. do something at the mall. I felt like that was a big part, or a pretty big significant scene because they kind of break away and kind of all do their own thing for a little bit they all get their own moment and i do i like the way it's written where they all kind of still follow their same paths of history like like beethoven goes to the music store and starts playing the electric keyboards and becomes like the greatest and everyone's watching him yeah joan of arc takes over the the exercise class and ends up leading an army of exercisers <laughs> the way she led an army in back in france you know yeah. and uh it's little things like that and then just you get to see Napoleon at the water park, which just always puts a smile on my face. <laughs> that, that the way that actor just plays it, like from being so scared on that first thing to watching him run up the stairs with that goofy smile, pushing kids out of the yeah. way, and he's like talking to kids like none of them have ever seen a water slide either. He's like, oh, oh, oh you know, like pointing at shit. Yeah, oh, fantastic. I like what they did with that character. Oh, and the one kind of like time time travel rule they set up early on that this film follows that the sequel does not follow <laughs> at all. Is that while they're time traveling, no matter what they're doing, the clock from where they live is always moving. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you could just go back in time and spend, you know, you can't go back in time two months and spend that two months working on your history paper and then do your history paper. So they only have, you know, whatever it is, like half a day in real hours right. to get everything done, which kind of is, is like fun. Like, I don't know if that, I mean, good time travel movies Fucking don't make any sense to me. And Terminator is my favorite movie. Terminator is my favorite movie, and still, time travel is a goddamn paradox that makes no sense. But in this movie, I like that they just like made that one rule up, and then they just kind of stuck with it. Because it, it it's, it's like I know I said there was no stakes, but that's like the one type of stakes there is, where it's like, all right, at least they have to be back by a certain time, and they can't just keep traveling back in time. True. Um, and then that's what introduces us to uh, what the screenwriters like to call time magic, which I actually thought was a pretty clever thing. Yeah. I actually kind of liked it a lot. Where I'm, I'm rubbing my forehead right now. <laughs> where they have to, Bill's dad ends up arresting all the historical figures after all, all the havoc they cause in the mall. And then in order to get them out, they end up deciding that after the presentation, they're going to do certain things that's going to allow them to unlock them now. So they were like, all right, in two days from now, you steal your dad's keys and hide them in this bush and then blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden the keys are there. Yeah. And like, but I love, you know, in a normal movie that would cause like a half hour of conversations, like a, like a real sci-fi movie of like, will that work? What are the odds? And I just love it's It's written away with one line of dialogue of being like, now remember, we can't forget to do this after the report. But but we did do. But they're here. So that means we didn't. Like you know, like it's hard. It's like taken care of. Like because right. if they forgot, it wouldn't have been there. So it's like yeah. And yeah, like it's things like that with Bill and Ted were like they're stupid characters, but then they come up with like weird roundabout solutions for things. Or you're just like ah fuck, I got all. Yes. <laughs> what, what what did you think of the introduction of, of time magic? I was just I kind of gave up at that point. I was like, all right, this is uh I guess what we're doing now. <laughs> Whatever they say goes. <laughs> I wasn't questioning things anymore. I was kind of just letting it be. But when it got to that point, I was like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> what are you <laughs> just, talking about? I know what was going on, but it was just like, yeah. all right. We're they needed to distract their dad. So two days later, they got a tape recorder. They set a timer on it and they hid it behind the thing. I did it. We totally stalled them. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. So good. <laughs> Most egregious. 
Um, and then, yeah, that leads us right to our the big history report, which is hilarious because it's in a big auditorium with in front of the whole school. Mm-hmm. So that was also a rewrite. Um, the original ending they shot was a more traditional, like them in the classroom, the way that logically it would play out where <laughs> it's they're doing a presentation in front of their class, not in front of the whole school. Exactly. And they just felt like they shot one day of it and they were like, this is so flat and dull. Like, this can't be a climax. Like, uh... like it was literally just like all the people standing in a line taking turns talking and like they were just like you know what it's not gonna make any goddamn sense let's just make it a big giant presentation and i think that's way better like i'd rather i'd rather have a memorable ending that's big and like feels like you work towards something that doesn't make a lot of sense in a movie that already doesn't make a lot of sense right to stick with realism and just have it be this like flat boring ending wow Um, but yeah so the original ending was that it was the presentation and then it was going to end with them going to prom with the princesses um and then they were just like eh, let's just redo it with all the crazy light shows and everything the creative process is amazing because they did land in a place that was appropriate for after all of this that went down oh yeah that ending is so fun to watch it's so <laughs> stupid but oh my god it's so like, great we're, they're talking to the light guys like what's happening <laughs> well so that that was one thing in my, as a kid i was always like well that's just stupid whatever i'll just write that off but i saw an interview with the writer and they were like we regret that we couldn't actually put this in the movie, but the idea is that's more time magic. Oh. That's Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted are there doing the lights also. You I know, see. so they pre-set up all the lights for their show and all that stuff. So that's the idea of that. Ah, uh, <laughs> cool. All right. So I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yep. Yep. Perfect. Perfect movie. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we can't answer is just time yeah. magic. All right. And then... This is going to be the shortest spoiler section of all time, but there's literally like a five seconds of spoilers at the end of the movie, so just for fun, we're going to put the sound effect in. After the presentation, they're they're back in their garage, and we basically see a recreation of the intro again, where they're trying to shoot their video, and then they're kind of like a little bit bummed that they went on this totally excellent time adventure, most unprecedented, and uh, (laughs) most unprecedented journey. And then that's when George Carlin comes back as Rufus, and then... Yeah, you probably could have figured it out with the first time they went to the future that they were, like, worshipped by these people. But then they find out that it's literally it's their music as a band mm-hmm. is what the foundation of society going forward is about. And that it causes, you know, all sorts of a utopia and a, and a great world where there's nothing bad ever happens ever again. Be great to each other, dudes. Be excellent to oh, each other. Oh, God. <laughs> I watched the movie. It's be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Ah, there it is. Excellent! So that's kind of like the little bit of twist ending that like you find out that they're the the most important saviors of all humanity and that they're music. And then the joke is that they still suck at playing music by the <laughs> end. And George Carly goes, well, get better. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he also brings them historical babes oh, that yeah. they fell in love with. The babes come back. Who just live with them now. Oh, one last thing before we move forward is i just love how it's not only this movie but why in movies do they feel it necessary for other people to high five in awesome moments Uh. in the background (laughs) it just has me cracking up every Uh, time i don't know i mean i think (laughs) the dumb reason is probably just because it's a nice visual way to like (laughs) you know you could show without any dialogue I know you have to pay extras more money when they talk, uh-huh. so maybe it's just a way to get them to do, like, you know, to, to keep the the dialogue Jesus budget down. Christ. Every time. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. 
But yeah, interesting, um, interesting uh, movie, interesting ending. Yeah, I don't want to. I'm gonna save a little more about like the whole success and like legacy of the series till we finish talking about the second movie. Mm-hmm. But obviously, this was successful enough to immediately have the studio want to make a sequel that went into production almost immediately after this was over. Right. But I'll leave the other kind of fun things that have come out of this movie success till uh, till we. F- so we do the second one. We still got a lot more to cover. So should we do a quick, quick, quick round of best worst? Sure. Do you want to go first or second? You can, you can go first. See, right. see how you lay down the land. All right. I did a nice easy one. Uh, best worst historical figure. Ha. Is that I yours? knew. Yep. That was one of mine. Uh, I did write two because nice. I figured that would be the I one. I wrote two just in case you were first and <laughs> said that one. For me, uh, I mean, it's a little unfair because he gets the most screen time, but I think it has to go with Napoleon. Um, uh, he gets the most laughs out of me. But again, he's in the movie more than all the other people. Uh-huh. Um, but the water slide park, I already talked about him at Waterloo, was so funny. And just something about when he when he falls on the something about when he falls on the on the bowling alley and just keeps screaming shit all over again in French. It's like shit, 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 and it's just like the subtitles come up. I don't know. It just cracks me up every time. Yep. <laughs> And then this isn't him directly, but I love when they confront Ted's brother about ditching him. He's like, you ditched Napoleon? He was a dick. <laughs> so, yeah. that part, so he was my favorite. Yeah, I like that he had his own like little adventure going on. Yeah. Apparently, uh, historically, that was his favorite dessert, that ice cream that he eats. Like, those oh, that's of why it's called cream. Napoleon? No, that's actually, it's Italian from, from Naples. Oh, um, But regardless, that was still like, you know. Again, uh, Neapolitan, what am I yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Napoleon. Smarter than it needed to be again. You know, like, they didn't right. have to pick his favorite dessert for having him try, you know. That's fun. <laughs> uh, who was your best? Um, my best was Beethoven. Nice. He. You mean Beethoven? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, wait, hang on real quick. No, another scene that had me dying was when Ted's introducing all of the people to Missy when they come back to the real world. Yeah. And he's trying to make up fake names for them, but he's fucking awful. Yeah. And he's just like, Bob Genghis Khan, Socrates Johnson, De- Dennis Froon, and uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln. So yeah. I just love, like, he just, like, changes one word, but still keeps having Bob Genghis Khan. <laughs> Uh, all right, that was go pretty on. ridiculous. So beef oven. Yeah, I, I just love that he, he. First of all, he was like the most unbothered historical figure to come to a new timeline. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that aspect. Like they literally lift him, him, lifted him up off the chair as he was playing. Playing Furiously, like the yeah. most famous song ever. <laughs> well, he was just fun to watch at the mall. He just was like so into music that he just was unbothered by anything. Yeah, he was just so amazed at the new technologies in music. You yeah. Know what I mean? Even though. I'm pretty sure he was either fully deaf or partially deaf. So right. him coming into the Casio studio place and hearing the samples and freaking out, I was like, all right, I don't think that would work, but yeah. fair enough. Oh, no. He was just, like, pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Pretty his, chill. His enthusiasm was awesome. <laughs> Who'd you have for worst? Oh, crap. Um, you didn't write one, did you? No. Wow. Jesus Christ. All right. Take notes, audience. Take notes. No. It's like the yeah. sixth time. No, you went first, so you could share your worst right, first. Fine. So I did go with Billy the Kid. I don't know, just something about the way the guy plays it. He played it like a little too modern, in my opinion. Mm. I, I don't know what it was. It just like, I believed everybody else was their person. And with him, he just, I don't know if the actor wasn't, he, he didn't have enough enthusiasm or something, but he just like, he just felt like an actor to me. I don't, it's really, I don't really have a real good way to explain why huh. I, I feel that way. But when I was watching it this time, I was just like, eh, I don't know. He's just like, he's just there and he just, I can't, I can't articulate this intelligently. He just didn't work for me the most the way everyone else did. Like, 
everyone else just seemed like the person. Like Maybe, I don't know. I'm kind of agreeing with you there, but I don't know if it's just because I don't know enough about Billy the Kid to know if his like portrayal of him mm-hmm. was realistic. But I do agree with you that he kind of felt like modern. Yeah. And not, he felt like of our world rather than like a and figure I guess from can, the past. I guess you can argue too that the Old West was more recent than every other figure that they came to. Right. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, I guess Sigmund Freud was like 1901, but still, I imagine the Old West was also in the 20th century. Yeah. I was a very big fan of Sigmund Freud. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, of in this movie. Yeah, yeah, he was really <laughs> funny. But yeah, I, I might have to tag along, not only because I didn't have one in mind i didn't write one down but i agree with your argument and i'm just thinking about everybody else and i i have to agree with you yeah i think for my best runner-up i think it's probably socrates though i just love how excited he gets about everything and like (laughs) once he gets on board and i did like how him and billy the kid were like a like a duo friends you know like that that kind of made me laugh (laughs) i really think that pbs or whatever whatever's the lead in children's programming these days should just license B- bill and ted to like teach history through like their <laughs> adventures one uh one interview i saw that was funny that alex winter who plays uh bill that he said he was like he's like throughout the years i've gotten two types of letters from <laughs> teachers you know on one hand i get letters from history teachers who actually say like dude believe it or not like your movie actually got a lot of kids interested in history <laughs> and it's been like kind of great because then i could bring up people that they've learned about from your movie and this nice. and that and then the other were angry letters from english teachers to be in like people talk like your stupid characters <laughs> and it's driving me up a fucking wall like i'm trying to teach proper english and everyone's saying things like most egregious and shit like that. that's hilarious <laughs> so, i also love that these teachers are writing to the actors and not right? the writers yeah, yeah. of the movie uh, so silly <laughs> I mean, because more people know the actors than know the writers. You yeah. know, like you have to look at the credits and sell like the internet. You just be like, oh, who wrote that? You know, like <laughs> you have to like rent the movie, look at the credits, write those names down, try to look up that. You know, it's it's a lot different <laughs> than writing to a famous actor. Uh, all right, what's your best worst? Oh, all right. I actually have two more. My first one is best worst ridiculous phrase or quote. Oh, nice. I, I wrote that as my backup was best worst quote. Oh, cool. Also. <laughs> um, I have my best quote right off the bat. But you, right. you, actually, you go first. You go first. I actually have a couple nice. here. Uh, someone loves the movie. I, <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves here. We're not at that part yet. A couple of best quotes. What do you got? I, I might have to watch it again to make sure that this is right. It's a toss-up between Noah's wife and uh-huh. historical babes. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> historical and babes should not be, you <laughs> but know, I love next that, that, that was other. his justification of why they should stay. Where he's <laughs> like, come on, we got to report. We can't worry about babes. But they're historical babes. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is a tie from yeah. them. I have a million also, but if I had to really boil it down to one that I just love, that makes me laugh every time is... Bill, what? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. These strange things are afoot. Like, like <laughs> why the fuck would even know? <laughs> oh man! And then worst, we already talked on it before, but I took the uh, three-letter uh, slur. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to tag on to that. Uh, that was not great. Yeah, yeah, that was an easy one. But other than that, I don't know. I think they're all pretty, pretty good. Mm, yeah. Like, outside of that, it, there wasn't like one that like hit like a thud where I was just like, oh, that's not funny. Like, you know. Yeah. That was mine. Cool. Do you want to do your other one or are you good? Yeah, so I guess that's it for now. All right, cool. So, uh, fuck it. Let's just jump right into uh, <laughs> into the next one, right?
Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is the sequel to Excellent Adventure that follows Bill and Ted as they face off against an evil tyrant from the future who sends back evil robot doubles of our heroes to kill them and change the future. It was released two years later in 1991, also written by Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, this time directed by Peter Hewitt, and alongside our original cast of Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, and George Carlin, we are joined by Billy Sadler. This one had a much higher budget of $20 million, Dang. but was also a success at $38 million, but obviously, by comparison, not nearly as big of a success. I wonder why. And most sequels are less successful than the first one. I mean, well, nowadays in the world of Marvel and shit, I guess that's, it's hard to argue that, but back in the day, just mm-hmm. less people saw sequels. And they talked about in an interview, too, where they do feel like this second one has like a less broad appeal and is a little bit darker and a little bit meaner. Mm. and uh, they, they contributed that to being like, oh, that's probably why less people liked it. Because that was one thing I should have brought up on the first one they talked about where the studio didn't have much faith in the movie when they were making it. They were just like, well, this is too weird. We're not going to do it. But then when they test screened it, they were shocked that like a huge different age demographics that were enjoying this movie where they were like, they didn't realize it at the time they were making it, but they were like, it has something for everybody where little kids love the cartoony aspects and the special effects and the kind of very silliness of it. The teens kind of like the the heavy metal music references and like the kind of quote unquote stoner humor, even though they're not stoners, like kind of just like that stupid like oh, slacker humor. Yeah. And then the adults like kind of the smarter jokes, the historical stuff and like George Carlin. So they didn't realize that they were hitting like all the demographics nice. at the time they were making it. And I, so I just think the second the second one is just a little bit harder of a sell in that sense where I don't know if there's a little bit something for everybody as in the same yeah. way. So yeah, yeah, like I said, this was written by the same writers, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon. So that's kind of why I said where it's like this this series belongs to them as opposed to director, like directors coming in and out. But Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson, and in, uh, including up until the fourth, uh, the new one, they wrote that as well. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the one reason I'm a little bit excited, like a little more excited than I would be where it's not like this, a studio is just like, yeah, just hire two idiots to write a third Bill and Ted. Like right. it's the guys who created it and... And also with this sequel, uh, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter had a lot more input as to what happens in the movie. So they're not credited writers, but they definitely pitched the idea alongside with the writers. Collaboration. Um, And they're they're saying it's the same with the new one. So again, fingers crossed that it's going to end up being good. I'm I'm glad that the creators were able to stick with it and not get pushed out creatively, unlike other series that we love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's not even bring up bring up Avatar. It's, it's the last Airbender. That has nothing to do with this. <laughs> I'm heartbroken. Damn you, Netflix! <laughs> Damn you! So right off the bat with the sequel, I have a lot of opinions on it, but the one thing I will say that I just think is the biggest breath of fresh air: it is one of the most original sequels I've ever seen. <laughs> where, in a time where even today, like sequels are always let's redo the first one but different. Yeah. It's always let's let's add add a bigger budget. Let's add a little bit, you know. You can go as far as the Ghostbusters 2 route, which is my least favorite, which is they almost entirely forget the first movie ever happens. Like they acknowledge it, but the way the plot unfolds, none of it lines up with the last movie. I see. Like Ghostbusters 1 ends, they save New York, everybody loves the Ghostbusters, everybody believes in ghosts. They become national heroes. The sequel opens up, they lost their business, they're disgraced. Everybody blamed them for for unleashing ghosts. Nobody in New York believes ghosts ever happened. And they do that because it's easier to write a movie where it has the same plot structure where by the third act they become... You know, so they basically re... It's almost a remake of the first movie. 
sequels love to fucking do that. And it just always drives me nuts. So I remember when I first saw Bogus Journey, I was just like, dude, like, say what you will about whether or not you like it compared to the first one. You can't argue that they copy the first one in mm. any way, Yeah, which I loved. So they came up with the idea while they were making the first one. <laughs> the two Reeves and Winter plus the two writers were just pitching like, hey, if we made a sequel, like, what would we do? And right away, the thing that they nailed on was like, we want to deal with Bill and Ted in the afterlife. Mm. Which is already crazy. So the original, they wanted to call it Bill and Ted Go to Hell, but they just couldn't get that approved because oh, it's yeah. hard to sell that and blah, 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 kids and all that and stuff. And also, I don't like the idea of them being in hell the entire time. No, it would have been the same plot, but that would have been the title. Oh, I see. Just to, just to get you excited to be like, whoa, what? What happens? I see. But at the end of the day, I do think Bogus Journey is a better title because it fits more with the motif of like Excellent Adventure Bogus mm, Journey. Right. Speaking of which, I'm not that crazy about the title for the third movie. I think they could have got a little more creative with it. What's the title? Bill and Ted Face the Music. Oh. They could have called it something or like, you know. Bill, I see. I would have called it like Bill and Ted's Most Triumphant Return or some shit like that. Yeah. Like just kept it in the title or like, you know, like something like that. Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like Bill and Ted's non-non-heinous adventure. It so, sounds, yeah, keep it something in their voice. Yeah, yeah. So Bill and Ted Face the Music, it's, it's all right, but it's not my favorite title. And the studio wasn't that into the idea, <laughs> as you would guess. They wanted them to go a much more route. The idea that the studio pitched to them was what I just said I would have hated, which is <laughs> Bill and Ted now have to pass an English test. So they go back in time and they meet all these famous literary people as opposed to, you know, like it would have been the same thing, just a different subject in school, but kind of same conceit, time machine, travel back in time, blah, blah, blah. And like, <laughs> Another this movie, presentation in yeah, front of the ex- entire exactly. school. <laughs> so I love this. They keep elements from this first movie. It's not like time travel is completely gone from the movie. It's just not the main crux of it anymore. None of them were interested in coming back if that was the case, including uh, Keanu and Winter. Tell them. Um, they loved being part of this movie, the first movie, and they obviously loved the success and everything. But they were obviously like pretty typecast after this, where mm-hmm. they couldn't really get a lot of other major movie roles because they were just known as like the, whoa, surfer dudes. And it t- I think it took Keanu Reeves fucking, I'd argue, until John Wick to break free of that. Because like, even The Matrix, you know, they threw in like... I don't think it's an uh, uh I don't think it's a coincidence that when Neo first sees someone jump in the Matrix, the camera pans up to his face and he goes, "Whoa!" <laughs> like you know, I think that was a nod to Bill and Ted. Yeah. In fucking Point Break, you know, he plays an FBI agent, but he goes undercover as a surfer dude because because I was uh, just going to bring up Point Break. Yeah, you know, because uh, with, uh Swayze's a surfer, you know, yeah. so like they ne- he never really got broke out of that like kind of just dumb guy. Like, what's going on? Like, that character, yeah. you know? But I think he embraces it now. Like, his appearance in Always Be My Maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> was kind of like that grown-up version of him. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, no, I, I don't think people look at him like that now. Like, I think yeah. if he's in a movie, you're not going to be like, oh, he's playing the dumb guy. But I think it... Because, I mean, he's obviously always been acting. He's always been in movies. But, you know, his big breaks were like this... Then there was really nothing until Speed and Point Break. Then it was The Matrix. Yeah. Then, you know, he had some stuff that he was in, but then it wasn't until John Wick that that was, like, his new big franchise that he, he's, like, like, young kids look at him and they go, that's John Wick. Like, yeah. that's the baddest motherfucker who's ever been on camera. Like, people don't look at him and go, like, that's that doofy guy who fucking right. has lanky arms and says <laughs> stupid shit. They're like, don't mess with that guy's dog. Yeah. So, because of, uh, because of that, they weren't, like, dying to come back for a sequel so they were basically like listen unless it's like so different and like an actual reason to come back 
like something so weird. Like they want it to be as weird as the first movie, but not copy the first movie. Yeah. And like I said, regardless of whether or not you like it, think it's funny, or you think they went in a good direction, you I don't think anyone could say that they rehashed anything for the sequel. Oh no, they cannot. It, it was so goddamn original, which I would just respect right off the top. Like just so good. I would def- I would uh, present this as a definition for unique. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I keep saying I'm excited. I might be eating my words, but I'm hoping they do the same thing with this new one, and it's not like traveling back in time for some reason like just traveling back in time yeah um, i don't care obviously you gotta have a little bit of it I've, i saw the poster i know that the phone booth is there but uh but yeah so this movie opens up you immediately see that they have a much higher budget when you're seeing the future it's not george carlin standing in front of a completely black backdrop yeah <laughs> you see bill and ted university you see the, the statues of bill and ted doing their classic pose did i'm just wondering if disney channel got their inspiration for like xenon wardrobe from this opening scene <laughs> never seen it but i would argue maybe i'm uh, gonna show it to you after this. okay yeah may, may, I, I have no idea actually i don't even know why i said I'd argue <laughs> um yeah maybe i don't know and then i do like that the very beginning is kind of a nod to the first movie where they're having a class and george carlin comes through with all these historical figures it almost makes it seem like okay we're doing this again like because they yeah. show you you know here's i forget who they even bring but i think they even ben franklin or no, I don't know who they bring. No, that's who they're bringing in for next week. Oh, week's next class. week is Aretha Franklin and Ben Franklin. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also like the little touch too where they bring in someone from like the 25th century. Because it is funny that it's like, what, there was no new historical figures between... Yeah. That was always my criticism of uh, Futurama because I found that so funny where it takes place a thousand... It takes place a thousand years after 1999 but yet everybody that they show is like people from our history as if no history happened in those thousand years between then and now Mm -hmm. so it's all like there's ronald reagan there's richard nixon's head like there's you know like a reference to not you know and it's just like well what happened in these thousand years (laughs) so i like just that little touch where they show one rock star from like the year like 24 45 or something like that i would so be down for that course uh, like a, a oh, history yeah. course that actually brings in those figures to talk. Oh shit! Everybody that would be so awesome. <laughs> All right, so I kind of I kind of broke free of our structure a little bit though. So I know it went pretty fast, but did you have any expectations with the sequel right before we put it on? I know we watched it back to back, but like, yeah, like I, what did you think the sequel was gonna be? I think I was just expecting an another version of the first movie. Travel you know, back like in time. traveling back in time for some reason, like they need to do something and. I I even would go along the lines of saying maybe they need to tap into different figures like in history and in time not for necessarily for a history report but maybe like they need to like figure something out or like yeah. some mystery or whatever kind of like along the same lines yeah like I think most people would have expected they would go to different time periods different from the first one pick yeah. up different historical figures but kind of the same concept where they make friends with them and this and that right because in the first movie there wasn't a villain really no, not like really. it was kind of like like the... kind of ted's dad but even that not really yeah like... so i was actually very excited that at the very top that there was a villain yeah, i was like, like all right like that's pretty exciting yeah and i love how like how serious that guy plays it um <laughs> like it's such a silly movie he plays it like a true like mustache twirling villain like just yes complete bad guy he ugh, yeah he cracked me up at the very beginning of the movie. Oh, with his air guitar? Yeah. He's like, no longer will we have to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> As if they can all hear the air guitar. You know? Yeah. Uh, you talked a little bit, a bit about your background with this movie, yeah. but specifically the first one. What about your background real quick with the second one? Uh, seen it way less and also probably was a... I didn't watch this one until, like, my 20s. Okay. Yeah, it was just one of those things I always assumed the sequel was going to suck, so I just never sought it out. 
you know, like I never saw Revenge of the Nerds 2. I never saw fucking P- Big Top Pee-wee because I love Pee-wee's Big Adventure. There was like every famous movie in the 80s had a sequel and I never watched Airplane 2. I just always assumed they were going to suck. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I'm right based on what I could tell from what people say. Most of those movies just end up falling flat from the first one. Most, But also, I didn't know the background. And I didn't know it was like the same creative team. So I just assumed it was just like, all right, they tried again. And then the fact that there was never anything after this one just made me assume it sucked. Because I was uh, like, I oh, well, if it was good, then they would have kept making more. So then I finally watched it like sometime in my 20s where enough people told me like, dude, you should actually check that one out. It's it's worth it. And then I watched it. And I was pleasantly surprised. And I was just like, I mean, I have my opinions, but definitely didn't see this coming. That's <laughs> one thing I could say for sure. I didn't oh, see yeah. any of this movie coming. That's cool. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> but yeah, I think like the first one, like I've seen like over 20, 20 times, 25 times. This one, maybe this was like my fifth time seeing it. Okay. So I haven't seen it nearly as much. <laughs> to jump back where we were, we get the villain, Denomalous, who breaks into the George Carlin's class. Stupid fun fact, his name is Denomalous because it's the writer Ed Solomon's name backwards. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, uh, and quick cameo the in the ice cream scene in the first one, the two guys who did the Ziggy Piggy, those are the writers. That's Chris Matheson and Oh, Solomon. that's fun. Yeah, yeah, so that was them in the movie. I like that. And uh, so yeah, Denomalous breaks in. He finds out that he built uh, evil robot usses, so two, a robot version of Bill and Ted that are evil. Yes. Uh, what was your, I, as soon as they came on the thing, before you knew they were robots, you were like, oh man. And then you found out they were robots and you were like, oh, what, were you, what was your... <laughs> What were you thinking was happening? Well, I had thought that somehow this villain had gone back in time and turned them bad and uh, then brought them into this. Like, I thought that there was going to be... I, I didn't know they were robots. Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. that somehow they were manipulated and they were like the bad versions from a bad timeline. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You know? But yeah, so you get the evil Bill and Ted, which are programmed to be exactly like Bill and Ted, just more evil. Yeah. But I like that because... as. Denomalous hates Bill and Ted more than anything, so therefore he hates his robots as well. They're, <laughs> they're just so aggravating to him. Yeah. But can I just mention, I don't know if this was like a collaboration with special effects and wardrobe or whatever, but the robot, like when they peel away their, their faces yeah, yeah. and their skin to show the robots, I thought that was done really well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it was fantastic. Time. Yeah. I mean, it's all special effects, just practical. It's practical versus, you know, like anything. I don't. I, I don't know that that was just special effects because it was very realistic looking. Yeah. Um, That's what I will say about this movie. So I think uh, on a visual standpoint, the second one blows the first one out of the water. Yeah. I was watching some interviews with the director, Peter Hewitt. It was his first movie and he was just like, he was so green and excited to be in the film world that he took it so seriously where he was like, I want to put like my stamp on this movie and make every... I want to film everything as creatively as possible. I want to, you know, because the first movie has a lot of fun ideas, but it's like a, it's a pretty flat movie. Like, I wouldn't say anything about the filmmaking of it blew my mind. It, more so it was them just covering up the fact that they had no budget. That was the most creative part. But this, like, up until later when we get into certain sequences, like, everything is filmed very uniquely. And all the special effects are so much, just so more inventive in this movie where I loved it. Yeah, so uh, I'm glad you noticed that as well. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. There actually, I do want to go back and take screenshots of a couple of shots because I really like them. 
Nice, nice. The funny thing was the original director, he didn't want to come back to this because he thought the script was so silly that he felt that his exact quote was, I read the script and I felt like it was a parody of a movie that was already a parody. Like, <laughs> like He's like, we made a parody of like time travel movies and stuff like that. And now I feel like we're parodying that. And he's like, I just don't even know where where the joke begins or ends anymore. So he, yeah. just, he didn't want to do it. That's so um, funny. So that's, uh, that's when Peter Hewitt came on board. Yeah, so uh, after, you know, the, the evil robots get sent back, and then that's when we get our first sight at Bill and, the real Bill and Ted, you know, in the sequel. Uh, gotta say right off the bat, super disappointed in the way they changed Keanu's hair. It is, he is... He, oh, he, shorter? The, the character is literally not as funny without that haircut. <laughs> um, it was like, his hair was like too cool in this one. Like that weird fucking mop top, like I said like earlier. Something about that just makes him funnier to me. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like his hair in this was like a little too cool for me. Something has to change though to show the the that time, you know, existed between I think the fact that they were like five years older. Because that one thing I didn't mention about the first one is they did make it almost two years before it came out. The studio that was uh, going to put it out ended up going bankrupt right before they finished the movie. So then they had to spend like a year shopping at other studios. Oh, wow. So even though it came out in 89, it was filmed in like 87. And so now we're in 91. So like they're almost five years older. And, you know, in the, in your early 20s, that's a pretty big difference. So mm-hmm. I always I think they do look a lot older in the sequel personally. I didn't think that until the very end of the movie, actually. Oh, when they when they're actually older. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. If, if you look a picture side by side, just about that hair, it's just not, it's so funny. I, I, I think the acting was still there that it had me. Oh, it's still there. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm just <laughs> saying, if I'm, if I'm picking nits, All they right. should have kept that, they should have kept that goofy ass mop top hair. That's funny. So that's, that's, you find out, you find out that the evil Bill and Ted's plans are to go, that apparently they give a speech when they win Battle of the Bands and that's what sets in motion the, them changing the entire world. So the evil ones, their job is, they want to go kill them and then give the same speech but different as, right. as they say <laughs> which also makes sense how about you just don't give the speech like how about you well, just I kill think... them and don't show up and yeah. then nothing will happen <laughs> yeah. like the first one didn't make sense this one truly doesn't make any sense and nothing it... about this movie fucking lines up and I it just was the cherry on top that honestly I was a little tired by the time we started this movie so yeah. like it just blew my mind like how crazy this movie's plot was <laughs> and all the crazy stuff that happens Yeah. so I was just so confused oh, <laughs> so you find out that they get into Battle of the Bands but they still suck yeah and um, Pam Greer tells them that they suck which yeah, is crazy yeah yeah <laughs> And then they want to propose to the princesses, but they feel like losers because they have no money. So, Side note on the British, the historical babes yeah. that live with them now. They recast them, right? Yeah, they did recast them. What happened to those ladies? I don't know. Oh, I have all no right. Do those in your Andy facts? I, didn't, I couldn't find anything about it. Oh, wow. Um, and also with me, it had been so long since I, like like I said, like I, I didn't see this one until my 20s. Yeah. And... Uh, Honestly, the princesses are such a small part of the first movie. I didn't even realize they were risky. Like, if you watch them back to back, you can notice. But when it's like eight years in between, I just thought they were the same people. I kind of just, the dark haired girl in particular from the first movie, I really liked her. Uh So I was kind of like disappointed to not see her in this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also they don't live with them. That's what's hilarious. They live somewhere else. Oh, right. Which we never really see. Yeah, we don't ever see, or we don't really know how they make money, or what the fuck's going on, or anything really like that. But again, doesn't really matter. Whatever. <laughs> Go with the flow, um, man. Yeah, so then they have the princess's 512th birthday, which seems like the lamest party of all time, because it's only <laughs> their parents and their parents' friends, apparently. <laughs> and then, 
that's when we find out that Missy divorced Bill Ted's dad and started uh, Bill's dad and started dating Ted's dad. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is a nice funny nice funny addition. I did appreciate how many people they did get to come back. Yeah. I feel like they could have easily just done Bill Ted and George Carlin and moved on, but mm-hmm. you got Ted's dad, you even got Bill's dad in a small role, you got Missy coming back. I don't know why I wasn't as creeped out by Ted's dad making out with Missy. I don't know. Maybe because he wasn't giving her, like, the sex eyes. Yeah, and wasn't doing it in the bedroom of his son. Uh, yeah, <laughs> While yeah, he was yeah. still a teenager and That's living there. That's probably what it was. <laughs> um, and then they reintroduced the military school plotline again, which makes <laughs> even less sense this time. Because I'm like, now I'm like, he's an adult. Yeah. He's a 19-year-old who's not in school get and has his own apartment. Get out of here, guy, grabbing the back neck of people yeah yeah like, so it's just i mean i know it's set up later for because you're supposed to see their biggest fears and like that's why they brought that guy back so they could right. make sense later in the movie but i was just like what are they afraid of like how can your dad send you to military school when you're over 18 years old like, uh, yeah. and you're done with school like, you i graduated? guess they're still childish in that way <laughs> yeah so that uh that's pretty funny they proposed to the princesses will you marry us <laughs> now listen what you were saying earlier on when we were talking about the first movie about them basically being the same person really, really is true <laughs> in this moment. When they're basically giving the same speech to these girls, but just swapping in different words. Yeah, they just had different like examples. <laughs> you know, so, excuse us, dude. <laughs> God. Gave him the same ring. Yeah, the and then plastic ring. There was a moment where they paused, looked at each other, and they're like, yeah. yeah. And then go back to the and speech. Go quick, quick. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then I just love, like, to go back to how childish and, like, young they are at mine. They're like, do you think after we marry the princesses, they're going to start staying over with us? <laughs> and then our girlfriends are most chaste. Yeah. <laughs> this fucking line is ridiculous. <laughs> Oh god, so good. Wow. This um wow. and then yeah, they get infiltrated by the evil usses. I like that immediately Bill and Ted think it's a similar adventure to the first movie where they 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 see themselves come to the door so they just assume it's them from the future. Yeah, I thought that made a lot of sense. Yeah, I know. To me too. <laughs> I was like I was like I actually don't blame them for going with them because because they even question it for a second and he's like, "Don't you remember we had the most excellent adventure through time?" Yeah. And I, I like that too because it's almost like they're expecting to be on a generic sequel. The way we as an audience think it as well. Like, yeah. They're like, oh, sweet. Another sweet adventure through time. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like how before I started, I was like, last time was an excellent adventure, but now we're getting dark with a bogus journey. And you were like, dark? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, whoa. And then, yeah. <laughs> and I love like the balls of like, they just kill Bill and Ted like real fast. Yes, they do. And just one note, four of them, as in two Keanu Reeves and two yeah. doing air guitar is a uh. lot. <laughs> Also, I think all those effects are really good. I don't see any of the seams of, you know, because you have to, like, green screen people over yeah. other scenes. Like, whenever the four of them are on camera together, I think they're really clever at making it. Uh, you know, they do little things. Like, it's always, like, Ted is always, like, evil Ted is holding good Bill and vice versa because it's easier to swap them when they're not. Absolutely. If it was Keanu holding Keanu, it would look a lot faker. Yeah. You know, so I just think they, they did a lot of, like, small clever things to not make it to make it look good like it's not it's not um whatever but yeah did you did you think they were actually gonna die there did you think they were gonna get like saved at the last oh yeah i thought it was gonna be like that night moment when he fell down the stairs and somehow got out of his suit before he got stabbed like i thought it was that i was not expecting them to die yeah and them dying is really what starts the whole like visual flair that i said i loved earlier where every scene from this point on while they're dead 
looks completely different than any other scene and always has like a unique take of it. Right. Whether when they're dead in the real world and they're completely grayed out, but everything else has color. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And real quick before we move forward, because we didn't really establish we're going spoilers or non-spoilers. Are we just talking about the movie or are there spoilers? Yeah, honestly, this one, it's fucking impossible. It's just, <laughs> let's just talk about it. Fuck right. format. So no format, I yeah. guess, for the second movie at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, what are you going to do? Come on. This movie's so silly. Like, nothing happens at the end where you're like, really? Um <laughs> All right. So I feel the biggest spoiler is that they actually die, <laughs> you know? Which we already talked about. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then now they're just trying to kind of... Oh, then that's when we first meet Death. We meet William Sadler as Death, which... This uh, guy. Breakthrough performance, in my opinion. Yeah. I love this guy. And I love how he starts off being, like, almost a scary traditional Death. And so in this first scene, he's just like... Even that first shot when you just see him real far away, I'm like, that could almost work in a horror movie. Mm. Like, you know, like like these guys don't know what's going on, and in the distance you just see a black cloaked figure with a scythe, and you're like, oh, shit, kind of yeah. scary. But then uh, a reference that means nothing to me, because I don't know what the hell it is, but then they give him a Melvin, which they bring up like ten times, which I guess is when you give someone a wedgie from the front. I guess so. Yeah, because they give him like a front wedgie, and they, they Melvin him pretty good. And that's how they escaped death the first I time. Know. I feel like there were a lot of references in this movie. Like, someone was a huge fan of Star Trek with William Shatner. Well, the, the thing was, they, uh, they, yeah, they just wanted to film in those same rocks. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. yeah I noticed that. Um, but I feel like there were more. I just didn't get to write them down. Oh, the other one was they had a whole, like, ghost moment where when they were dead, they kind of, like, got walked through. yeah. And that just, you know, Patrick Swayze and Ghost when he gets walked through yep, by that, that had to have been that because that was this was a year later. Like <laughs> yeah. that was nineteen ninety. So I just felt like there were a lot of like little seeds. Except they made the effects so ridiculous. Like it's just, like <laughs> they, they get so wavy and cartoony and giant. Like it's like totally just not subtle like it is in Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Yeah, so they're trying to just kind of figure out what to do while they're dead. And what I think is probably the funniest scene in the movie is when they go to the police station and Ted possesses his dad. This fucking actor is brilliant. <laughs> He's so good. Like, I'm I'm not even lying. Like, this is ex- like if you were, I would look at this to study acting because before he even talks. He transforms into Ted. Yeah. Like, he's he's like, he's just sitting at the desk having his normal speech, and then the second Ted goes into his body, he kind of stands up, and it looks like his like arms get, like, lankier, mm-hmm. and I was just like, holy fucking shit, like, <laughs> this guy is Ted, and then when he starts talking, it's even better, or it's yeah. just, oh my god. Which, I feel bad that he came first, because the second guy doing Bill was not great. Nah, he wasn't as good. Um, but he also, I feel like they knew that, because they gave him less dialogue and, yeah. like, less to do, but... Yeah, he he really nailed the inflections, the body language, just yeah. everything. Okay, dudes. I mean, fellow policemen. My son, Ted Theodore Logan, and his friend, Bill S. Preston Esquire, have been murdered and replaced by evil robots from the future. You totally did it, dude. I totally possessed my dad. <laughs> I just also love that they never 
it's not, like you know movies like this where weird shit happens there's always like the hey we can't tell anyone because they're not going to believe us they always just earnestly talk about whatever they did like even like when they're talking to Pam Grew in the beginning they were like well of course the, the babes are better than us they've been practicing they've had since the mid-century to practice she's like what <laughs> like 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 what did you try and hide that information yeah or when he's talking to the cops and he's just like Bill and Ted my son was totally killed by an evil robot now they want to kill the princesses like as if the police are supposed to be like okay yeah that makes sense <laughs> I just love like there's so no funny. trying to cover it up oh man yeah. but you know that exorcism scene or uh, it's not an exorcism but they bring up the exorcist that's why it's, they oh I see because they were like it worked an exorcist one and three <laughs> <laughs> I, I that seemed like something for you, like Definitely. for your, your kind of audience. Because those are the good Exorcist movies. Two sucks, but one and three are good. I see. <laughs> kind of jumped around a little bit there. Eh, not really. That's kind of what happens right after they Melvin death. They go right to the police station. Oh yeah, but then you talk about the exorcism. That was it. Because they that's right before they possess the dead. They go. You sure this is gonna work? Yeah, it worked in The Exorcist. One in. Oh, three. I see. I see. They're all connected. Oh, you're talking about the seance scene. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that comes next. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we find out that Missy holds weekly seances for some reason, but it's funny. They're not trying to talk to anybody they love. They're trying to talk to famous people, and so I just... they all bring up all these historical figures. And fuck, who does Missy wants to talk to? Like a oh Ty Cobb, like he's like a famous baseball player. Everyone else picks like someone really. Oh, important. I see. And I didn't picks, know who that was. She picks Ty Cobb, which is hilarious. And I feel like this was probably, I feel like the 90s was a lot of, when we were getting a lot of that kind of like Miss Cleo tarot card, new mm-hmm. age mysticism stuff. So I think they were just kind of commenting on how like a lot of people, you know, they call new age dudes and all I that. I see. So I think, I think the, that shit was hot in the 90s. Like, you know, kind of like connecting with the dead and all that stuff. Side note, I think it's just really crazy that this chick Missy. graduated from co- from high school yeah. and just immediately wanted to become a house mom. Yeah. And just like, I'll make you sandwiches. I'll drive you to the mall. I'll blah, blah, blah. I like, think that's what's kind of funny about Missy, too, because, yes, she's, like, promiscuous. And even in the first movie, like, you know, she's, she's like, oh, tell Mr. Ryan I said hi. Like, she definitely wants to have sex all the time, but she also seems like... Like a decent mom and like a good wife. Like, you know, she's always like taking care of the house and like, you know, like it's yeah. just like, it's funny that you would think that she, like, the writer is like a money, like a gold digger or someone who's evil, ulterior motive. It's like, nope, that's just what she wanted. <laughs> <laughs> she just wanted to marry Such an a old weird character. <laughs> Missy's funny. And then, yeah, so uh, they, they crash the seance and then Missy sends him down to hell. And then that's where like the. I guess their original idea, the conceit of the movie of them dealing with the afterlife mm-hmm. kind of really kicks in. And then, yeah, all these scenes are just super... I don't even know if I find them necessarily hilarious. I just think they're so creative. Mm-hmm. You know, they go to hell, they meet Satan. I love the, you know, this is what it looks like. We were totally lied to by our album covers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they get they get trapped with all their fears, their their, their innermost fears. Right. And I liked it. This, like, this shit was almost shot like a Freddy Krueger movie. I kind of loved it. It was very horror movie-esque, something Masha would normally avoid. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where I think where they said, like, because this movie's a little bit darker, I think that's why I didn't do as well. Where, like, you know, it's not really fun for the whole family. Yeah. The uh... But this seems like something that would be enjoyed by people who like to go to the movies high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. For <laughs> sure. Did you know the the grandma is uh, is played by Alex Winter in heavy makeup? No way. Yeah, yeah. So for real? Yeah, yeah. So it's he him, did a great it's job him playing his own grandma. Wow. <laughs> and we got to see young Bill and Ted, which is <laughs> young Bogus. Bill and Ted was they were ca- uh, casted very well. Bogus. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was a that grandma should get her own spinner. Yeah, it's <laughs> creepy as hell. Ah, uh, so that stuff. So I don't know what you think of all that hell stuff. I yeah, I thought it was very unique. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that's the word I keep using for this sequel. But yeah, I was not expecting any of this. Uh, I, I was just like, "What is?" <laughs> and that's not even where it all stopped. No, it's <laughs> being weird. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the. And this is one of the shots that I want to go back and take a screenshot of when they are together in hell, but with the military guy. Yeah. That shot of, you know, he makes them do infinity push-ups, yeah. <laughs> but the camera's kind of s- circling around, but it's facing up towards the military guy. Yeah. That shot is so cool. Yeah, yeah definitely. I was, a, I was a fan. Yeah, I've... Like, t- to the point where I kept saying the first one was probably smarter than it should have been. I think this one was probably filmed better than it probably should have been. <laughs> like, like this guy really put his all into it when he could have just been like, eh, let's phone it in. It's a fucking Bill and Ted sequel. Yeah. And I know normally I try, I like to say, I don't want to just go through the plot, like, piece by piece. But with this movie, it's like, I just don't know what to do besides talk about the set pieces. Because <laughs> it's really just set pieces. It's not like, it's like, you know, then it's the part in hell, you know? And then yeah. It's, so then they go back and challenge death to a game because he says that earlier that if you be, if they beat him in a in a thing which is a hilarious <laughs> reference uh to the seventh seal have you ever heard of that movie oh no i think it's a swedish movie ingmar berg i, I can never say his name <laughs> ingmar bergman and it's about a guy who's like in limbo after he dies and then he challenges death to a chess match and the whole movie is them playing this very sophisticated game trying to best death and all that. Oh, I see. And so that's what they're setting up as if it's going to be like a chess game and then they play Battleship. You have sunk my battleship. I just was not expecting that at all. My eyes were that's, like in the back of my that's head. That's my second favorite sequence. Like after the <laughs> possession scene, I just love Battleship and then you find that that's when uh, death starts getting sillier and sillier and then he's like, He's like a sore loser. Yeah, he's like, best two out of three. And they're playing fucking electronic football and Clue. Just something about him reading, like... I believe Colonel Mustard did it in the study with the candlestick. Twister. (laughs) Twister, yeah, like all these stupid-ass games. That is not the game I was expecting. I I was not expecting that sequence at all. (laughs) I love it. That's so good. Also, I completely forgot about Twister. Right? Yeah, yeah, man. That game used to be huge. Yeah. I remember playing that in, like, you know, after school programs in, like, elementary school or whatever. And I'm just thinking, like, is that a game that will ever be played ever again in, after Corona? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. You know, you just I was just, I think I had that thought exactly when... It was the Grim Reaper. He had to put his like right foot on green, and it passed by like Bill's face. And I was yeah. like, "No way!" Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then to my point where like none of this really logically makes any sense. Like I don't really get. So then the devil has the power to bring them to heaven because they won the they won the they won the right to go back and like live again on Earth. Yes. But then they say that they need help destroying the robots. So then their plan is to go to heaven to find the best. Scientists to help build robots. (laughs) So illogical. They lost me there. (laughs) So illogical. But, okay, so the Grim Reaper takes them to heaven, right? Yeah. And it seems like they need to be dressed a certain way to enter. Yes, I don't know. This is one 
I'm picking my own nit here. Oh, pick it up. Because in the last movie, we talked about how them dropping the F-bomb seemed very out of character for them. Yeah. For me, in this movie, when they mug those people going into heaven for their clothes, I thought that was very out of character for Bill and Ted. Yeah, yeah. That kind of seemed... That was like out of character, but then I do like that they apologized for it immediately. Like, they were like, we have to mug some people to get to, get to talk to you. Sorry about that. Like, you know, like, it was still... Oh, and uh, they also tripled down. I'm pretty sure I heard three F-bombs in this sequel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them. I, the I evil robots it. call it. I mean, it was the time. It was humor at the time. I could think of so many fucking movies. I know, but it's it. not funny. Like, it's. I just to feel us, like it doesn't land. To us now, I think teens in the 80s were cracking up. I, I guess. Yo, me and my friends called each other that every third sentence. Shut wow. up, F. Shut up. You know, it was just—it was everywhere. It was just a funny word at the time. <sighs> uh, we're it's we're immature. What are you gonna do? All right. I'm just saying. I I know I understand it. I just I it never hit me back then either. So whatever. Your favorite movie had it. I okay. All right. I'm not <laughs> denying. <it>. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that felt very out of character for me. So. Yeah. That was my only the only moment that I wrote down. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit. Yeah, and I didn't really understand how that worked either. Like, death could get them to heaven and they had to break in. That's why you start thinking about the rules, you get, you're gonna you're gonna have a bad time. You gotta really just sit back and just take every scene for every scene. Yeah, like for example, in heaven there are these two gremlin-looking. I don't even know what animals they are, but they are the best scientists heaven has to offer. They're station. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, no, that that actually joke I kind of liked where they they're looking for the greatest scientist who ever lived, and then Death is like, "Did you really think? Like, were you really like ignorant enough to think the best scientist was gonna be from Earth?" <laughs> and they were like, "Yeah," and like, like as if to be like, "There's a whole universe out there. You really think you motherfuckers are special? Like, no, That's it's funny. It's these aliens. Like, they were just aliens from a different planet. Okay. <laughs> well, at first they talked to God, and <sighs> there's not even that many jokes in this side, but it just always makes me laugh with just the earnestness of like, first of all, we'd like to say. Congratulations on Earth. What a most excellent planet. Bill and I enjoy it on a daily basis. <laughs> like, what? Jeez. That's what I mean by like the earnestness of these characters. <laughs> like it's it's not like they're doing these things where they're like trying to like suck up to get what they want. Like I love or even when they first meet Station, like first of all, I'd like to congratulate you on a most excellent game of charades. Like <laughs> like they were actually like proud of that game. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't they just like they see something good and nice and they're like, nice, we wanna <laughs> that's why I think these characters endure. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't think like I think if they were mean spirited and stuff that like time would have shown that we're like, eh, it's not really funny anymore. Yeah. You know. Like, I mean, I, like, I love Kevin Smith. I think these guys hold up way more than old Jay and Silent Bob. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you watch some of those and you're just like, all right, calm down. And I grew up obsessed with Jay and Silent Bob and Kevin right. Smith. Like, but even now, like, I have to watch it with a tinge of, like, irony to be like, okay, like, he's just going to say fuck every three yeah. words. They're going to be mean to everybody. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to have a party. We're going to get some pussy. I'm going to fuck this bitch. I'm going to fuck this bitch. I'll fuck anything that moves. You know what the fuck you looking at? I'll kick your fucking ass. Shit, yeah. Throw that motherfucker on me ten bucks. You know, fucking tonight we're gonna rip off this fucker's head, take out his fucking soul. Well, that's why I think that, that's another layer of why I think this movie is successful. Because, you know, obviously it's a fan favorite. Everybody loves Bill and Ted. So it's so easy for them to fall into or lean into what people loved about them in terms of like their persona and using like overusing the terms like excellent yeah. the guitar like i never felt like it was overused in a sequel like this which i feel like they could have easily fallen into like overusing those phrases oh yeah 
You can get to like an Austin Powers three where you're just like, what are we? Are we still saying groovy baby? Like, come yeah. on. Like. <laughs> like, I felt like the actors did a very good job too of not overperforming. Oh yeah, for or sure. over exaggerating the characters. Yeah. They felt they still felt like they were in their own world. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah. And it helps that they're in a completely different adventure, like we said earlier. Like, mm-hmm. if they were rehashing the same shit, then it would feel rehashed. But it's like, how would they react to being in hell? How would they react to dying? How would they react to meeting death, you know, yeah. and all this stuff? I, I guess I'm just really proud of that because, you know, knowing that this was kind of rooted in sketch comedy, and obviously a lot of that is performed for an audience. So yeah. I've been to a lot of improv shows where people are catering to the audience rather than just focusing on doing something fun you know so i just felt like they did a really good job of not performing for an audience Uh, yeah and to that point too the thing with sketch and the reason why i think most snl movies don't work is that when something is funny as fuck for five minutes then you made it 90 minutes yeah it can be very annoying Mm -hmm. like you know what i mean like every once in a while you get a blues brothers or a wayne's world or mcgruber but most of the time you get all the bad ones Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) like those are the three good ones like yeah exactly so yeah I, I i don't know how it works like <laughs> like dead ass i was reading about this and they were like the first cut of bill and ted's excellent adventure was two and a half hours long and we had to cut a lot out of it and i was like i kind of want to see that cut <laughs> like, i kind of want more wow i kind of just want some more fucking Dude, is there a director's cut out there nah so what did you think of station <sighs> At that point, I was like, what in the... Am- I thought that I was high. Like, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> That's where I gave up. I thought that my... I was too tired. I just... <laughs> just the thing with the station... So, like, I finally, for the first time in my life, was able to figure out what the fuck all that was. It's, like, the weirdest in-joke of all... Because it makes no sense to me. I never really understood what it was, because... Uh, the first time, I, first couple times I saw this, I was like, all right, I guess their name is Station and I missed it, so they're calling them Station. But this time, I don't know if you noticed it, but everybody says Station. In the in the first scene when, when all the hysterical figures are coming out, there's that one, I don't know who, I don't know enough about rock and roll. There was a famous <laughs> rock and roll guy in the movie. And he comes out of the time booth and he goes, Station! And then whenever Evil Bill and Evil Ted are talking, they, they give each other a plan and then Evil Ted always goes, Station! And then they go and do whatever they're doing. Oh. So I think the joke is, because God, I think station might be like a future slang for like awesome or excellent. Because God says, I want you to go meet these new aliens. And he goes, station. And then they, I think Bill and Ted think that the alien's name is station after that. Because uh-huh. then they call him station for the rest of the time. But I was like, but then why would other people be saying it throughout the movie before that character even exists? Hmm. So I think that's the joke. But then I saw there's a Twitter where <laughs> Alex Winter a few years ago was like, Sorry, there's a Twitter? A tweet. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know how this shit works. There was a Twitter. <laughs> you know I don't do that social media stuff, so I don't know what the hell's going on over there. All I know is Twitter is a way to ruin someone's career. I it's saw only- it. I saw it on thebook.com. <laughs> Alex Winter tweeted something where he was like, I love bill and ted i love all this but i gotta say i don't know what the fuck station is like he's like people have been yelling at me for my whole life ever since that movie like on the street he's like station he's like i don't understand that joke and then one of the writers finally answered and he said it's like the weirdest inside joke of all time where they were writing the script obviously drinking a lot while writing it and like you know just having a good time (laughs) and they had a typo where they had a scene that was taking place in the police station and they were like let's not do that scene and they erased everything but they forgot they accidentally left the word station so then later they're 
rereading the script drunk and then right in the middle of like, you know, this this, this happens and all of a sudden I just said, station! And it made them die laughing. And then they were just drunk in the room going, station! Station! And then that just put it in the movie everywhere as if it was supposed to be some kind of joke we all got. So I was like, I don't know. I love it. I think I laugh every time they yell station, but it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why it's an alien's name. I don't they know why. put it in so many places. It's in so much of the movie. There's so much goddamn, so many people yell station. It's, it blows. It's insane. So finally, 20 years later, we finally got an answer of where it came from. They were that drunk so and forgot funny. to delete the word police station. Station. Oh, sorry. I did. They didn't lose me at those two alien things. Okay. They lost me when those two things became <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> then I was like, "What the hell are we watching?" Uh, and again, I don't know why, because all he does is build the robot. After that, I don't know why he needed to be one. I was like, "Wouldn't they build it faster if there was two of them?" <laughs> it made no sense. They just get, they just come together, fucking big robot. I mean, not a big robot, big happening? a big thing with an even bigger ass. Like the ass they put on this mu- this <laughs> costume was insane. It was so gross. It was like the biggest butt of all time. It's like half their back of their body was a butt. And it went so deep, like the crack. I was like, this is gross. I feel like there's an 80s movie where this happens. I feel like this is a reference to something else, like around the never-ending story world. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm going to ask your sister-in-law after this. Okay. <laughs> She's going to be like, what the fuck is Station? No, not... All right. <laughs> be like, do you remember Station? <laughs> well, anyway, I'm going to figure it out. Oh, and, and uh, when they're... They're like Pokemon too, where they can only say their own names. So when they're little, they go station, station, and then they come together, and then it goes station. <laughs> and I just love that shot. Like if you really just like pause on that scene when they're shopping for the robot parts, it's like Bill Ted pushing a car <laughs> with two little aliens. Death is behind them. Like I'm just like, what? Are, what the fuck? <laughs> and another thing, you know, obviously there are established villains in this movie, but I still feel like they weren't really a part of the movie. Yeah, like, they yeah. come in at the beginning, they come in at the end. Well, we do, no, we do cut back to the evil Bill and Ted a lot. I know, but I'm saying that there's not much interaction oh, between yeah. them. Like, they kill Bill and Ted. Uh, yeah. And, then, and they, then Bill and Ted have their own adventure. Yeah, yeah. Then they just basically, like, try to ruin their relationships, wreck their house. Like, it's really just, like, little skits of, like, what would robots be doing? <laughs> but, yeah. I do, like, I, I could tell, you can kind of just see that Reeves and Winter are having a good time playing the evil versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. And, like, I could see that being part of the reason why, like, yeah, we'll come back. Because, like, they got to do something a little different. And, like, you know, because they play, they are Bill and Ted. Like, they're the same personalities. They're just, like, a little bit more assholes. Yeah. And then it also shows, like, the kind of puppy dog nature of Bill and Ted. Like, like you know, the first time when they're being mean to them. And they're like, they're being mean to us. we got to remember to be more considerate. Like, <laughs> like, you know, like, they just, like, don't understand the world at all. They're just, like, these, like, little, like... That was one thing from the first movie they said that they thought that they worked really hard when they were, once they got Keanu Reeves in thing where they were like, we have to play up the puppy dog factor with these two, uh-huh. where they just have to be like cute and lovable the whole time. So you can like never be mad at them. <laughs> where even when they do something stupid, it's like the same way if like a puppy like breaks something, you're just like, oh, you fucking idiot. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that that's pretty great. Yeah. I was never annoyed by them. No. And with characters like these, that's pretty insane because yeah. they can easily get annoying. Like, <laughs> Like, I laugh every, every air guitar I laugh. Like, no matter, it's it's happened probably between the two movies 25 times. Oh, I, I know you laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Putting you in the Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Execute them. Bogus. <laughs> there was some more cut stuff here. Um, 
the evil robots were going to have a machine that can manifest their fears from hell in the real world. And they were going to get chased around by the Easter Bunny and the grandma and all this stuff. Oh, wow. And have to learn how to, like, overcome their fears. They were trying to put a little bit more of an arc in the movie. But then they said they were so over budget, they were just like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, like, you don't need an arc with Bill and Ted. It's totally fine. Even, like, when we finally get to the Battle of the Bands, like, after all the buildup with Evil Bill and Evil Ted, not only are they defeated so quickly, they, like, accept defeat right away. <laughs> like, they, they see the good robots, and then they're just like, I think we've met our match! See you later, Bill and Ted! <laughs> and just get their head fucking blown off. And it's like... I like the design for good Bill and Ted Oh, robots. yeah, I love that, too. Yeah, I thought I thought that was really fun. <laughs> and you get more of that. That's, like, weird insecurities, where they're like, Stacia, these are the best robots ever! And he's like, but I, I did the hair, and, and I pushed the cart around that we were shopping <laughs> he was that like weird like unidentifiable european accent like oh that is so funny i i also like that he just like completely ditched his job i love how yeah, everyone ditched it i love how they had the power to pull people out of heaven like you know like there wasn't <laughs> it made no sense uh, you just don't ask questions is what this movie uh, should be called yeah pretty much they defeat evil bill and evil ted and then that's when it seemed like you forgot about him. Like, the Anomalous finally comes back, and then we get more of uh, the dream magic fighting from the first movie. <laughs> and not dream magic. Uh, what the hell? The time magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's pretty fun. Yeah. Although it's played way more fast than loose. Like, in the other one, it had to be like, hide something behind there, and then they would find it. He was like, I'm going to give myself a gun, and then a gun, like, materializes in his hand, and you're just like, how would that work? Like, yeah. <laughs> like you got to at least, like... <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote down, I guess they're picking and choosing when to use, like, how to use time magic. Yeah, yeah, it, it didn't make any sense. But I did, like, the first time I saw it, where I was like, how are they... Because they both keep saying, like, after I defeat you, I'm going to go do this. And then I was like, how can they both do it if only one defeats? But then I like that they actually brought that up, where they were like, only the winners can do it, and yeah. we played a prank on you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's very quickly just arrested without, like... Like anything, you know, this is not very, very fast. And then I like this because it, I actually really like the end of this and it makes it seem like you're watching the end of a series as opposed to an end of just a movie, like the end of this movie. But they, like I said earlier, they totally break the rules where they still suck at playing guitar. So then they go back in time for 16 months to practice where they also get married and have babies and then come back as like fully fledged musicians. Yeah. But that breaks the rule of the first movie where the clock's supposed to always be ticking when they're time traveling. Right. So if they spend 16 years, it didn't make any sense, but fuck it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> they come back with their new look, with their babies on their back. But they did, I don't know what if it was just the hair, the way they were dressed, but they looked significantly older. I mean, they had the beards and shit like Oh, that. that's what like, it was. Yeah, yeah. T- t- Bill's beard was down to his knees. But the way they were shot, too, they looked like taller for some reason. Also, I didn't realize this till, till this time watching it, but when they introduced their babies, I always assumed they named their babies after themselves, but Bill's baby is Little Ted and oh, Ted's yeah, baby yeah, yeah. is Little... So they just named it after their best bud. Like, yeah. like, it was just... I thought that was pretty sweet and funny. <laughs> I actually had a thought about the new movie, but I don't want to spoil anything for you. So, I Well, I know I'm they have daughters it. in it. I've seen that. Okay, so my question is, why? Yeah, I mean, if I had to guess, I would imagine just because today it's 
inclusiveness and it's like they're like why not put some women in the movie because there's never any women in the movie that's kind of my guess like mm-hmm. you know you know like we're doing batgirl and superwoman and all like you know it's just now is the age of when we do that but what i'm kind of hoping because i haven't seen the trailer or anything i'm kind of hoping that they always had daughters but bill and ted were just so stupid they thought they were boys <laughs> that's that's what I, that's what i hope the joke is gonna be that's fun. that they weren't even like smart enough to realize that even if it has a penis like that they didn't have any penises like oh did they grow later or something you know like that's what i'm hoping the joke is where they were always daughters but they were just like thought they were sons for some stupid reason that's funny that's what i'm hoping but yeah i I know because what's her name samara weaving is one of them the girl from ready or not yeah she's she's ted's daughter yeah then we just got this uh, this ending which always makes me laugh i i the ending credits crack me up you know they they play their big they play their great song they do their speech you find out that the band is now complete because station is on bongos death is on is on the bass you know the babes are already in the band but wild stallion is complete (laughs) i don't know what you think about all this i know you laughed at the grim reapers rap i'm rubbing my you like the grim reapers rap the rap yeah as in his his little rap he does oh yeah yeah yeah. You you were laughing King or a little street sweeper, but sooner or later you dance with the Reaper. <laughs> I was laughing during the rap, but I'm just rubbing my forehead over the the ending credits. <laughs> yeah, the ending credits were so good. I think of actually I was about to say that might be a good best worst, but I didn't think of it, so I don't want to waste. No, time. I I won't remember any of them. Uh, well, I know my favorite one was Air Guitar uh, learned to eliminate smog, and so that's how fall pollution is gone from the earth because everyone's doing air guitars. <laughs> Jesus, Christ. but I love like yeah, they get super famous. They they end up playing they play on Mars. Death ends up going solo. His album flops. He comes back. Like, yes. Yeah. Lip syncing controversy. <laughs> yeah, the lip syncing controversy. Jesus Christ, what is? <laughs> oh man, so I feel like they got drunk a lot. Yeah, so <laughs> like writing this movie. Even though I'm happy with the third one, I do think this ending is like a great. If it was only two movies, it's like a good ending. It feels like an ending to like a series, even though it's only two movies. Yeah, it just feels like you know. I'm saying, I was like, is this the fucking? Is this Endgame? Like, what is this? This is like the last of this saga of Bill and Ted. <laughs> Because the first one just ends on that joke. It's like this: you find out how important they are, and then they still suck. And he goes, "They get better." Right. <laughs> but I love the uh, just the insaneness of those end credits. And one last thing is, I totally thought that they were gonna sh- switch it up and have George Carlin be in more of this movie, but he wasn't. Oh yeah, he was even in less. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was the other thing we didn't bring up that we find out that he was Pam Greer all the time, to- the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. I thought, I thought, like, especially because in that beginning scene, he's like basically in an action sequence. Yeah, like, he's like escaping gunfire and all this. So I thought, yeah, we're gonna get a lot more Carlin. Like I thought he was going to arguably get less. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I thought he was gonna warn Bill and Ted. Like yeah, I just yeah. exactly. But pretty, pretty funny, <sighs> man. And one more thing before we move on is during the end credits, Andy actually pulled out a lighter. <laughs> And floated it in the air as <laughs> if right. he were at a concert. That's All how right. much he loved this movie. That's not... I mean, that's true, but it's not because that's how much I love this movie. <laughs> I do certain things to embarrass you because I know that... I know it's like the two of us in the room, but <laughs> I play up silly shit like that for a laugh. I don't... I've never sat alone watching this movie and pulled out my lighter during the end credits. I know. I wasn't just... moved by this movie. Was... I like to overplay my excitement <laughs> for a nice joke. Oh, yeah. uh, one quick thing I just saw my notes that I forgot that really made me laugh was... When, uh, back to my favorite scene when Ted is possessing his dad and his dad does air guitar, but it's like, it's like old, like classical guitar because oh, his yeah. dad's from an older generation. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. That was pretty great. All right.
So I guess we're moving on to best worst part two. Yeah, best worst part two. All right, first for best worst, um, it's pretty hilarious because I only wrote down one, and but I didn't even think about what my answer was going to be. I'm uh-huh. so sorry. Okay. I feel like if if best worst were a class, I would be failing. Oh, right big now. time! Like, <laughs> and it's not like like we give each other time. Like before we even start, I'm like, you got your best worst, and you always say yeah, but then you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're like yeah, you're like lying to me, the teacher, <laughs> and then I call on you, and you're like, "Fuck, ah, ah, best Bill or Ted? <laughs> Bill's the best, and Ted's the worst." Well, <laughs> all right, I have two, but I just didn't write down my answers. All right, all right. Go for it. so uh, best worst side character. Yeah, I got that one as well. Cool. All right, for me, uh, I mean, he steals the show. It's death. <laughs> I love Death in this movie. He's so funny. Yeah. And honestly, he was such a fan favorite. He's actually, he's William Sadler's back in the third one playing Death again. Oh, nice. Yeah. He, apparently, he wasn't in the original script. And then, like, he reached out and was like, I actually really want to do this. And they were like, <laughs> we'll fucking find a way to get you in this movie. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, William Sadler's back playing playing the group. Man, Raver. how old is he now? He's got to be pretty old. Damn, I hope he still got it. Yeah, I hope so. No twister oh. scenes for that guy. So, yeah. That, <laughs> he just stole the show. Like, he became the third lead, like, right away. <laughs> but, That's pretty uh, great. I definitely got to give a shout out to Station. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's just because of that one line, but I really love the villain. The anomalous? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was pretty great. Like, I kind of wanted to see more of him. Yeah, yeah. He was good. I just felt like everything I rolled my eyes at, he was the representative representative of that yeah yeah i'm just like <laughs> not understanding why everyone loves bill and ted <laughs> yeah he was like the outsider yeah uh, looking in yeah. being like are you guys crazy like <laughs> what this is ridiculous you know this is ridiculous right oh also i love the joke that because his entrance is 100 percent copying star wars it's the entrance of darth vader uh-huh. like all his troops come in first and clear the way and then you see his black boots walking it's it's an homage to star wars uh. and even to the point where like rufus is almost like an obi-wan where he's like you know, Denomalous, my old teacher. And then at the end, they were like, oh, that's Denomalous. He was my gym teacher. And it was like, my gym teacher. Like, like you think he has all this, like, great importance. Like, he taught Rufus everything he knows. Yep. <laughs> he was his fucking gym teacher. Yeah, I thought he was pretty awesome. Oh, and Denomalous and Missy get married. And that was one of the credits, one of the newspaper headlines. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. that was. Yeah, oh, yeah. Fun. Missy marries him. Okay. Worse is I'm gonna give it to um that cop that was that was uh possessed by by Bill. Yeah. Eh, sorry, guy. Uh, you just weren't great. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll give you that. Yeah, he's not that great. I there was a point where him and his and uh, Ted's dad were walking out of the station, and Ted's dad was walking as if he were Ted. Yeah, I know. It was so crazy, but the other guy was just It's like, funny. Yeah, I don't even think he did it bad. It's just the other guy did so good. <laughs> it's like, you know, back to the school analogy, it's like when the one fucking kid goes for extra credit A+, and everyone's like, well, now my 80 looks like shit. Like, yeah. you know, like, like, it's like, like, he definitely did like a nice 78 out of 100, but yeah. the other guy did fucking extra credit and everything. Yeah. All right, it hurt me to say this, but for worst, I had to go Rufus in this movie. Whoa. So... <sighs> I love George Carlin, rest in peace, one of the greatest ever. So just from a movie standpoint, A, he was less funny. I feel like he didn't really have any funny lines. Mm -hmm. Um, Even in the beginning, he didn't really have any funny lines. But just from his plan, he sucked. Like, he he hitched a ride on the thing as if he was like, I gotta go, same thing. But then all he did was pretend to be Pam Greer to get them in the Battle of the Bands. But then I thought about it, even if Denomalous never went back and killed Bill and Ted, 
that would still need to happen because nobody would let them into battle the bands. Mm. So he would have already had to have gone back and do that plan. So it seems like. A, it doesn't make any sense because would he have done that if Denomalous didn't try and travel back in time? Right. And then also that has nothing to do with stopping them from getting killed or stopping Denomalous or warning them. Yeah. Like he does nothing. Like he could have, you know what I mean? Like I feel like it was all played up for the joke at the end to find out that Pam Greer was him. But in reality, what what could it have hurt? Like why the disguise? Like why couldn't he have pulled him aside and been like, by the way, guys, I'm Rufus. I'm getting you in this. There's a guy coming. You know what I mean? That's so true. He had such a little impact on the story that I was almost like, why even put him in there? Well, yeah. And then why have that dramatic scene where he's, you know, la- latching onto the time machine? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like, But you know what I mean? Where yeah, I know. They yeah. wouldn't have gotten into Battle of the Bands no matter what. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's just like I his agree. plan made no sense. And then the fact also, I mean, clearly George Carlin didn't write any of his own lines in this one because none of them were funny. Mm-hmm. And like, at least like in the first one, that intro was funny. And then you could argue that he actually was making a difference by showing up from time to time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I just thought, like, they just really, like, dropped the ball on using Rufus in this one. And then now that, you know, unfortunately, George Carlin, rest in peace, we don't get a nice wrap-up where he does something awesome in the third one. I mean, you never know. They might, like, hologram him in or uh, something. I will be very upset if that happens. <laughs> just let him let him rest. Yeah. Let him rest, Carlin. Aww, so, yeah, I had Rufus. to give it to Rufus as my worst. All right. I did a uh, best worst hell imagery sequence of like their fears Ooh. in terms of like what you think was the best May works the best blah, blah blah. For me, I had to go the grandma scene. Yeah, um, that was great. One, I never would have known that was Alex Winter if I didn't look it up. That <laughs> makeup was fucking fantastic. I had no idea. His performance was great, and then I also just love that it almost felt like a Tim Burton movie, like the way it like went up the table, like the way they shot that birthday sequence with her blowing out the candles. And just everything about it. I just thought it was shot so creatively. I, I love that a lot. And I mean, I love the, the military teacher scene. I just love the way that it was shot. Yeah. Really. It was pretty cool. Yeah. There was only three to choose from. And I'll explain why. But I did have to pick military for my worst. Ooh. It's another one of those where I think they're all actually good. So I don't actually think any of them are bad. I just thought it was it was kind of the most like plain in terms of their fear. And uh, the only reason I picked Keanu's with the Easter bunny and all that stuff is I just love those animatronic bunny effects. Mm-hmm. And I actually found that it's one of the guys who worked on a lot of the Chucky sequels. Oh. And so it just gave me a lot of Chucky vibes, and I love Child's Play. So just uh, that that crazy talking bunny. I just thought it was so different. Like, yes, being afraid of military school is very obvious. This was like some weird backstory where apparently <laughs> he stole his brother's Easter basket, and he was afraid that he was going to get punished by the Easter bunny. I just, it seemed like a very dumb Ted thing to be afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> so that, well, was, that was, so I had to pick worse for Military Academy just out of uh, uh, elimination. Cool. Well, that double helps me double down on my worst, which would be the Easter egg one, because oh. I don't like Chucky. <laughs> I don't like scares. you never seen Chucky. All right. I don't need to see it. I'm Podcast. <laughs> and just real quick, I said it earlier, but uh, for I did a quote one as well, and just, our girlfriends are most chaste is the funniest <laughs> fucking lie, because, like, you know, chaste <laughs> means like you're, you're, you're like, abstaining from sex. So, like, like, it just seemed like such a funny word for Ted to know, and he's like, do you think they'll stay over with us if they're married? <sighs> you were right, our girlfriends are most chaste. <laughs> and, like, like, I was actually kind of scared when evil Bill and Ted were, like, trying to, like, sleep with them. Yeah, yeah. That gave me scary, creepy I know. vibes. I, yeah, it I did. did not like Thankfully, that. knowing both these movies are PG, so like they're never going to go too far with that. Yeah. Like, I just like that it just went right away. Just the girls being disgusted with them and being like, no. I was just, yeah, startled. <laughs>
I don't really have a worse. I just said the many uses of the uh, of the F bomb. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll land on that as evil, well. Yeah, the evil robots call them that. They call it the devil that. They call the they call the evil robots that. Like it's just all over the place. Yeah. I don't even think I can do beyond the credits this time. Um, what? This mo- the second movie threw fucking everything. Like, that they could at the wall. Like, what the fuck do you do next? Like, I don't even know how these guys wrote a third movie. And for me not having watched the trailer, I don't even know what it's about. Ooh, all right. Then I don't want to do Beyond because I have seen the trailers. Oh, what are you watching trailers for? But, uh, I'm yeah. vehemently anti-trailer. Uh, stand by that on this podcast. I fucking think trailers are the worst shit ever. But if you if you had to make a third movie, what uh. would yours be? Because actually that would be pretty funny for you to speculate on that and then watch the third I one. I know, and like, I literally tried and I came up with nothing. Really? Like, <sighs> I don't, don't want to do it because I, f- I, I feel like I'm going to be dropping clues on what the yeah. third one is. So I, I think you should at least try. Uh, I mean, like, I tried. Like, it's not like, it's not like <laughs> I didn't sit down. Like, I sat down in front of my thing this morning and really tried. Well, Bill and Ted as adults, though. Like, do you think they're still, you know, they're, like, naive selves? They fucking better be. I don't <laughs> want to see mature Bill and Ted. Like... <laughs> Like, like I want them to see like like hints of maturity, but I still want them to talk and act the exact same way. All right. And I haven't seen the trailer, so I don't know. But I really don't want them to be like like I hope it's not fully the kids' show. You know what I mean? Like I don't mind that the kids are there, but I don't I don't need any of this passing the torch stuff. Like gotcha. Like I, I just want I want Bill and Ted like doing their thing. Yeah. But I don't know what I mean. Their daughters don't believe the legacy that they're gonna leave, so then they want to do something different. Like I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I really got nothing. I, I do you think that the daughters are kind of like them, like excellent, or do you think like they kind of ign- the daughters grow up and kind of ignore how weird their dads are and are normal? <laughs> maybe yeah, like we get a goofy movies situation. Yeah. Hmm, maybe. Yeah, maybe the daughters are like a little cooler. Maybe they, maybe they update their slang. To not be so 80s because they were raised in a different time period. Uh-huh. All right. I guess you'll just be... Yeah. Sorry, folks. Got nothing. <laughs> uh, if, if if they didn't fucking make such a weird-ass sequel, I would, I'd be able to go somewhere. But, like, where do you... They died? What the fucking hell? They met the Grim Reaper? They Well, you don't have to make it they, as elaborate and they, crazy they like They fucking meet almost. Station. I don't know, man. This fucking Station gets killed and they need a new bass player. Like, I don't know what happens. <laughs> All right. I got nothing. I'm sorry. It's fine. I don't even... I tried. I really tried. <laughs> Station! That um, was so funny. All right. Now we went through both movies. Uh, I want to talk just more about, like... Because this was such a crazy property because it was so popular when it came out. And it burned, like, so bright. But for such, like, a short amount of time. That, like... In terms of, like, new stuff coming out. But basically, you know, we had the success of the first movie in 89. Immediate sequel in 91. We had two TV shows to come out of it. Really? Yeah, we had so a... With Keanu? And... Uh, one of them was. So there was a cartoon that lasted two seasons. And in the first season, Keanu, Alex Winter, and uh, George Carlin reprised their role. It was made by like, Hanna-Barbera, you know, the, the fucking Flintstones and Jetsons guys. <laughs> okay. You know, real famous animators. That was in 91, so the same year as the sequel. Then the next year, there was a live-action TV show with a brand-new cast. Which is, I saw it on YouTube, it's real bad. Woof. And apparently, for the second season of the cartoon, that cast took over the voice roles. But the live-action one got cancelled after like seven episodes. The animated one got cancelled after two seasons. It was all pretty fast, but they had 
fucking Bill and Ted cereal. They had <laughs> Bill and Ted video games. They had Bill and like Bill and Ted were everywhere for like that short amount of time. They actually gave away the um, the time machine phone booth in a contest for Nintendo Power to promote huh? the video game, huh. so you could enter in the contest and, and get the phone booth and all that. But the probably the biggest like lasting thing that came out of this was in 1992 was when Universal started including them in their Halloween Horror Nights. Mm-hmm. And every every Halloween Horror Night, they would do a show called Bill and Ted's Excellent Halloween. And it was a stage show that changed every year that they would write a story about Bill and Ted getting kind of like threatened by that year's villains. Oh, that's so, And they would include like spoofs on whatever movies were big that year or whatever creatures were at that year's Halloween Horror Fest. Aww. And they did it from 1992 every year until 2017. Wow. And that's when we started going. Wow. So we, we went the year after it ended. That is insane. So our first time was 2018. So yeah, that. but that's think about how nuts that is. Based on this, these two movies... It went every year for 25 years. Yeah. Like, that's insane. I, I'm sure they would have brought it back for the launch of this movie. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was pretty. That was a pretty fun, like, thing. So, yeah, just, like, it was like Bill and Ted fever all over America for a few years, and then they just kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty interesting. All right, Masha. So America, they sure loved Bill and Ted. <laughs> but I have two questions for you. Oh, man. When it comes to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure... And when it comes to Bill and Ted's bogus journey, do you love what I love? What an adventure it was for an excellent adventure for for us watching at home. I mean, completely different movies. Yeah, <laughs> we watched two Which different. Movies. Awesome. Who the hell wants to watch this? same sequels you know yeah yeah i mean they took they took us along for a ride the movie's unique the movies are unique (laughs) the characters are unique the jokes are unique i i don't have anything necessarily bad to say about them but i do think that it these movies lend itself to like a particular time and place like you watch the first one when you were like in your preteens yeah and i feel like that actually influences how you how you feel about that movie kind of like how it was for you when i presented big fat liar yeah so i i will say for the first movie in that sense i think i appreciate it i like it a lot but i don't think i love it fair (laughs) and for the second movie i don't know what the hell was going on (laughs) (laughs) what the hell did we watch um again hilarious i i just i think this is one of the the times where i'm just like andy really loves this movie and i will like watch it while it's going on in the background but like i won't necessarily like love i i can't see myself loving you on my own you know like i'll be like oh yeah silly stuff but like I, I I'm sorry. No, it's just, I feel like I'm letting you down some way. Not at all. I didn't think you were gonna love him at all. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. And also, with when it comes to comedy, it's like the it's the one where you have to explain the least. Like humor is subjective. You're either laughing or you're not. Yeah. You don't really need to dissect into the the science of it all. I totally understand the hype around it. Like it's yeah. it's very quotable. The characters are like no no other characters Super exist lovable. like these guys. Super like, lovable. Yeah. 
I, the fact they don't get, like you said, they don't get annoying. Like, that's insane. Yeah. I was actually very um, happy about that. Because yeah. I was totally expecting to be like, all right, I'm a little over it now. So I was at never one point like, oh, God, I can't wait till it's over. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, I, I don't hate it at, by any means, but I don't think I love it. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> but I will, as promised, watch the third one with nice. you. So I'm, awesome. I'm curious to see where they take it. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely excited. And I guess I'll just give my quick thoughts on the two of them as well, like as like a, just a quick overview. Uh-huh. Um, definitely do think the first one's better as a comedy. I think the first one, uh, the writing, I think is just tighter. I think it's funnier. I think the bits like land as comedically a little more. And also, like because they didn't know what they had, the the way they play the characters in the first one, I just find a little bit more like not subtle. Definitely not subtle. Nothing about the <laughs> subtle, but just a little more like played down where. I, the sequel works great, but there are, it's a little bit like, like they give everybody an air guitar. Like, yeah. like they seem to be like, okay, everyone likes this, so we're going to do a little bit more of this. So I literally wrote in like my notes, I was like, I think the second one, the filmmaking is much better. I think the director and his crew really understood the vision of the movie uh-huh. and truly, I mean, yes, they had a bigger budget, but like they didn't phone in one sequence. I think every sequence looks incredibly unique. I think they truly like, storyboarded it in a way where it's just like really fantastic and the first one definitely looks a little flat there's nothing i'm impressed about from a from the filmmaking standpoint Mm -hmm. but just in terms of rewatchability and just sheer like number of laughs like i respect the sequel like a motherfucker for like just going for it yeah they truly went for it and i will always tip my hat to be (laughs) like yeah i'd rather you go for it and fail you know it's it's how i feel about like dr sleep recently uh, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I like it a lot. But what I like is that is there is enough... It is so different than The Shining that, like, I respect it. Mm-hmm. They It could have been fucking, you know, the kid from The Shining grows up and now he is the caretaker of a hotel and there's ghosts in it. You mm-hmm. know, just like it happened when to his dad. You know, like, this could have been, we have another test. Let's go and meet more people. Like, right. anybody could write that kind of easy shit. I like that they really put in the effort... I like that everybody came back and they were all like passionate about it. And I could tell like Keanu Reeves and Alex Smith are having a great time playing it all. But I do at the end of the day, I would rather watch Excellent Adventure more so than Bogus Journey. Mm. But I, I really love them both. <laughs> and it's <laughs> rare. Like most of the times with the show, like if we want to do a sequel, I kind of like always want to do the first one first. But with this one, it just seemed like it's not really, there's nothing deep to discuss other than like did you have a good time so <laughs> that's why i figured let's just put them both together i i'm trying to i'm sitting here trying to think if i went in and just straight in tried to watch two without watching one like what my reaction would have been yeah i don't know if it would have made any sense yeah yeah and I, yeah <laughs> they because they, they don't they they build off of everything in the first one like they don't they don't like i said they don't do that thing where they act like shit didn't happen or didn't matter yeah. Like, you know, like everything from them believing they're about to go on another time adventure, like all that. Yeah, I really do think you had to have watched one because if you didn't, like, you'd be like, who are these British girls? What are the, why are they referencing medieval times? Exactly. Like, yeah. there would be so much. So it's, it's actually pretty interesting that they didn't. Even just like, why, like, how do Bill and Ted know that they're going to be the saviors of the world? Like, yeah. shit like that. So I feel like usually with sequel studios are like, Make sure you write for people who wouldn't have watched the first one. Yeah. I feel like this one, they didn't do it at all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. that so was pretty interesting. I think as a sequel, it's especially, I mean, in 
a lot of sequels aren't good, but in comedy, most sequels aren't good. You could almost never, in my opinion, recreate like uh-huh. like when a comedy is good when you try to do a second one. I could think of thirty bad ones before I could think of a good one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And even when they are good, they're never really. They always feel lesser to the first to me. And this one, I know I just said I like the first one more, but the second one totally stands on its own. They're not redoing gags. Like, I enjoy Austin Powers 2, and I enjoy Wayne's World 2. Yeah. I But I think they're vastly inferior to the first ones. Like, I think they, they try to redo too many jokes and things like that. And, like, I do get a laugh out of them. But, you know, I think this and maybe 22 Jump Street are the only times I've seen, like, <laughs> sequels that were so goddamn original and so funny and not like you know to, to comedies where i was just like god damn that's a good sequel right so I, I those are my two examples of good comedy sequels and other than that i don't know <laughs> i might be wrong hopefully someone can prove me wrong but that's uh, yeah most comedy sequels suck all right i can't believe we watched two movies and then put them in one podcast yeah let's <laughs> see how long this ends up being <laughs> so i hope i hope uh you guys at home are <laughs> or wherever you are. I assume everyone's still in quarantine. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> hey, hey let's be that? optimistic because we'll, we'll release this in a few weeks, uh, so yeah, maybe yeah. the world will change. Yeah. Psych, it's not going to happen. <laughs> All right, audience dudes. Thank you for listening to our most triumphant episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have any opinions on what we discussed, follow us on social media at LWIL Podcast. It's a great place to find out what we'll be talking about next. And as always, if you have time, please take a moment to write a most excellent review of our podcast. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm awesome. And I'm Andy. And I hope you love what I love. St. Demas High Football Rules!